Come one, come all to the Super Show podcast, episode number 139. That's right. It's the gaming podcast that's all about video games. I am your host for this week, Jamie. I am joined by two esteemed members of the Super Show cast. On the one hand, I have my good friend, Mr. Chris Joannidis. How are you, sir? I am uh, good. I'm getting a sense of deja vu, but I am good. Yeah, and the reason you're getting a sense of deja vu is because on the other hand, uh, to my other side, I have the other cast member of the Super Show, a very naughty boy, Mr. Alex Jones. How are you, Jonesy? Uh, feeling cowed right now. Yeah. Mm. Um, so let's uh, peel back the sticker on this one a little bit, shall we? I don't know if that's a saying, but I've just I've just branded it. It's real. It's happening. Start using it. Spread it. Hashtag it. Um, as we're recording this, as the boys and I sit here talking to you, it is half past 12 at night, and we have just finished recording an entire episode of The Super Show, episode mm-hmm. number 139. Now, some of you might be scratching your heads, because that's exactly how I just introduced this recording that you're now listening to. And that's because, regrettably, Jonesy forgot to hit start recording when we began our initial take of this very podcast. Uh, The other elephant in the room is we don't exactly know at this point in time when he started recording again. So essentially, we are here to tell you that you are not going crazy. This is episode number 139 of The Super Show. I promise you, it is an action-packed, star-studded, one of the best episodes we've ever recorded. It's all about games. We talk about loads of exciting things. I just need to warn you now that the next couple of minutes might be a bit choppy. Things might seem out of whack, out of order. If I make some good jokes, I might still keep them in there, even though Jonesy won't be there to laugh laugh at them, for example. But... If you stick with it and bear with us, within a couple of minutes, we will get back to the nitty-gritty and we'll be talking about all things gaming. Is that fair I, to say, lads? Can I put in a request? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe in the bits where Jonesy's meant to be talking, but obviously it wasn't recorded, you just do a voiceover on his behalf. <laughs> just not do impression of me. If I've got enough time, I will have a couple of bits where I do something the the issue we, the issue we've got is there's a video version of this podcast and there's an audio version of this podcast and some part of me is dreadfully concerned that someone's just gonna top onto spotify one day innocently start playing this episode and then go why does jonesy sound like this which for anyone running <laughs> that is that is my jonesy voice wow nice um yeah but you know what we'll figure it out uh jonesy hey. anything to say for yourself I was going to say, the majority of our audience are probably happy because they're like, amazing, we don't have to listen to the uh, Jonesy talking oh, for 20, 20 minutes come of the podcast. On. It's just going to be Chris and Jamie. But um, yeah, no, um, I think um, my fat fingers double-click the record button on uh, on OBS. Um, Alex Sausage I, Finger Jones. I, don't know. I think it's like, I thought it was like 10 minutes, but maybe it was 20 minutes. I, I don't know. We get so into these conversations and we were talking we do. about we um, yeah. our first news story, which was in fact Cyberpunk, <sighs> which obviously I was so enthralled in the discussion that I didn't double check Jonesy, everything. You know what? It happens to the best of us. Don't beat yourself up. Just yeah. don't ever, ever, ever let it happen again because otherwise you're out of the super show. Do it yeah. again, son. Here first. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. No, do you know what? The show must go on. And what we can guarantee you is that what will follow this is, regardless of what state it comes to you in, over 90 minutes of gaming discussion goodness, all kinds of interesting topics and discussing new releases and all the stuff we usually do on the Super Show, I just... Um, just bear with us. Because as I finish <laughs> talking now, I have no idea what's about to come next. But unless... Any of you two have any final parting words as we go back to our past selves? 
I will bid you adieu and just say enjoy the Super Show. Come one, come all to the Super Show podcast, episode number 139. That's right. It's the video gaming podcast about video games. And I'm your host for this week, Jamie. Joining me, taking a sip out of a novelty-sized mug, or maybe that's just the man holding it, uh, Chris J. Wow. How's it going? Thanks. That Thanks. mug does um, look big. That wasn't meant to be a short joke, but... That's a that's a, optical illusions. Is that Bruges in, like, the film in Bruges? Why has it got two Gs? That's how you spell Bruges, you dickhead. Ah, there you go. That's a. <laughs> by the way, for anyone wondering, that's a visual mug joke that you would have only have picked up if you were watching the video version of this podcast on YouTube. More on that later, because the other face that's joining us that you'd only be able to see on YouTube is the face of my good friend, Mr. Alex Jones. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. And can I just say, it's amazing how naturally funny you are while remaining so humble. And I think that becomes more and more clear Whenever it's go time on the Super Show. <laughs> and hey, how about let's call it go time now, because we've got a gaming podcast to record, and we can't have a gaming podcast without talking about games. That's exactly what we plan on doing over the next um, unspecified period of time. It could be an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. Depends how lucky you get and how tired we get. We'll find out as we go. But what I can promise you is that some of, if not all of the following, uh, will be discussed at some point. So you can look forward to a little chat about CD Projekt Red, who had their first Night City Wire broadcast in quite a while, and we got to see what the future of that rather troubled game looks like. We're going to get into the <laughs> nitty-gritty on that. We're also going to talk a little bit about Ubisoft. They may have a live stream, a showcase coming up, I believe, this weekend, but that hasn't stopped them continuing to be perhaps the leakiest company on planet Earth. <laughs> we can talk about the latest there. And, of course, um, the biggest public fight since Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. No, there's, <laughs> there's no point in trying to turn that into a bit. Uh, Xbox nah. and PlayStation, and more specifically for Spencer and Jim Ryan have been at each other's throats this past week, and it's all about Call of Duty. We're going to get into the hows, whys, whos, and wheres all in today's show that is available both on YouTube in a video format. If you want to look at our faces and watch our lips moving as we say the words we say, you can do that. Super Show Pod on YouTube. That's the same place that you can find us over on Twitter. If you want to get involved in a little bit of social media shenanigans, you can tweet at us, you can DM, um, DM us. Chris usually reads them distinct lack of dick pics recently it's been a desert the dick pic desert up in there so um if any of you want to fix that and make chris's day make chris's weekend <laughs> the, the great dick pic drought of 22 oh exactly you know people talking about how you can't use your hose pipes anymore because we're experiencing a, you know a water drought let's talk about the real drought the lack of super so super show fan penises that are scanned by chris's eyes well what a joke tough to contend with it's also tough to contend with um podcasting platforms there are so many of them which one do you choose <laughs> where do you go to good. get the audio gold that this uh that this podcast provides you could go to spotify you could go to itunes you could go to google Podcasts. you could go just about anywhere what i'm gonna say is go where your heart takes you pick the one that appeals to you the most and i'm sure you'll find this very product there you can listen to it you can leave a rating or a review or however that platform works and it will all in the long run be appreciated and lead to single digit improvements in the number of people <laughs> that listen to the audio version of this podcast yeah negative single digits yeah speaking of negative single digits ever heard of paisley radio <laughs> Uh, that's right. You can listen to this uh, podcast if you should if you should so desire via digital radio. The place to go to do that is paisleyradio.com. It's broadcast out on Thursdays at 10 p.m. It's repeated if you miss it on Mondays. That's right. This is a broadcast that's so exclusive, you can miss it. This isn't some VOD, oh, I missed the Twitch stream yesterday, so I'm going to check their recent broadcast playlist bullshit. <clears throat> be there. Be square. Paisleyradio.com. And if you miss it, I'm sorry. 
You're just going to have to watch it on the tens of other places <laughs> it's going to be stored indefinitely. <laughs> um, lads, should we get like right into some gaming news? What? You're not, no joke about fucking raw-dogging it. I mean, okay. when in Rome, right, you do as the Romans do, and apparently the Romans loved eating grapes and fucking each other up the arse. Um, one of those things is a thing you can do in the game Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> For anyone wondering, it's not the grape oh, yeah, eating part, it's the gay sex part. You can fuck the men up the arse. Yeah, you can do that. That's cool. Lads, um, we were infamous back in the day for the extent to which we talked about Cyberpunk 2077, both pre-release and post-release. But I'd like to think, in true Marvel's Avengers fashion, we have given it enough breathing room that it's fair to return <laughs> to it, especially now that CD Projekt Red, the beholish developers behind the infamous title, have also returned to it. There was a Night City Wire live stream this week. They talked mm -hmm. a lot about what's happening in the game. They talked about the uh, anime that is coming to... Um, Netflix very soon, the name of which Ed is... Edge Runners? Edge Runners. They talked about the latest update to Cyberpunk 2077, 1.6 to us normies, or the Edge Runners update, if you want to get all up in the fiction. They also talked about the future of the franchise, and let me get to the point that everyone's waited to hear about for a long time, the first expansion to the game, which is officially titled Phantom Liberty. It is described as a spy thriller expansion that will see the return, yes, of the one and only Johnny Silverhand, played, of course, by Keanu Reeves, who has come back alongside a new cast of characters to record new lines um, for, for a the shit ton of money. <laughs> and probably a shit ton of money, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. They just spent all the money they made selling this fucking hot... Well, now, I'm not going to call it hot trash. You can't call it hot trash anymore. Previously, hot trash product to fund the return of Keanu Reeves. Um, Again, I don't think that that's fair. Why? Because I don't think it was hot trash. It had its problems, sure, but I don't think it's hot trash. Do you know what, Chris? I, I, I pressed you because I wanted to do what you said. You're right. Cyberpunk 2077 is not and, in fact, never was a hot trash game. It's a good video game. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. Which actually makes the prospect of an expansion, a spy thriller expansion, no less, uh, pretty exciting, especially when you consider that this expansion, and I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here for the sake of this conversation, a future update, whatever patch 1.7 ends up being called, are yeah. going to be exclusive to the PC, the PS5, Xbox Series S and S, and Stadia. Um, and for anyone that wasn't keeping notes there, that means that, yes, when this uh, expansion that we're talking about comes out and the patch comes out alongside it, the previous generation of consoles will be left behind. Cyberpunk will effectively, in terms of its current iteration, be a next-gen exclusive product. It is a raw deal, like when you consider that at launch, this game wasn't next-gen at all. It was only, you know, for PS4 and for Xbox One. But it's also one of those things where selfishly, there's a part of me that feels like that's the sacrifice that needs to be made for this game to technically accomplish everything it's hopefully capable of accomplishing. Chris, is that how you kind of see it as well? With, from yeah, well, admittedly it, slightly selfish. Yeah, but isn't isn't that kind of what they said though? That like in order for them to get the game to their like vision and the standard that they wanted, they had to kind of like trim the fat of last gen consoles, right? Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Look, for me, it's a it's a bit weird because I never had it on console. It was always on PC. So it's like, in a way, I always had the best version of it. Um. I'm 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 keen to kind of jump in. Like the funny thing about like watching that trailer. First of all, you messaged me and, and Jonesy on the on the group chat. Like anyone watching Night City Wire, and I was like, Night City Wire. <laughs> what year the is it? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is going on now? 
I like I I had no idea that that was a thing that was happening. Um, but yeah, pleasantly surprised watching that little teaser trailer because it wasn't very long. It was just kind of like a little bit of a vignette and a, a plot setup, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just something about those visuals and like a banging like techno soundtrack that's like yeah okay. It kind of fires the synapses in my brain that just like you know. Gives me a little yeah, bit of an absolutely. Erection. Like I, I don't know how else to put it. I, I, I'm, I'm hard for cyberpunk, even though cyberpunk's not hard for me. Is, is this DLC meant to be paid? Yeah, I Must believe be. it is. This is no. So this is the kind of traditional CD Projekt Red style expansion. So they, they say that they always do the thing: free DLCs. They call them paid expansions. So this is, you know, the thing The Witcher Two had uh, two of. Uh, does that change things for you, Jonesy? Because now you're looking at the prospect of. You know, maybe you might have an. I don't know if they've put a price. Let's say it's a nominal, Chris. While Josie's looking that up, let's say it's yeah. like a nominal, like twenty pound fee. Does that, you know, change your view view on whether or not you want to dive in? And does it also like what would your strategy be to like with regards to your current actual core oh, Cyberpunk playthrough? Would you yeah, try and finish no, it first or? Yeah, it's kind of like if I can't if I can't finish that game, there's no point in me sinking money in the right because you've got you know theory and theoretically yeah. hours of content that you still haven't seen yet. yeah exactly that you've exactly. already and paid for yeah exactly so i i and i would like to finish i just don't know fuck i just don't know if i'll ever find the time um yeah you know but um yeah the thing is like if, if you like cyberpunk like a, a, as a core experience and you haven't finished the game like you don't need to buy the dlc just because it's a shiny new thing to get a good cyberpunk experience like Story-wise, I think is maybe the strongest thing that was happening in Cyberpunk, even post like um, uh, next-gen patch, right? Like it yeah. was the story that was the good thing about it, and then it was the bugs and the some of the and gameplay systems that was the bad things about it. So you know, as long as long as they sort out the gameplay side of things, and like, okay, fine, I can I can deal with cops spawning behind me. I, I struggle with the quality of the driving simulation in that game. Sure. Um, yeah, but like other than that, like I kind, I kind of, I, I'm kind of hopeful for a redemption story, but I don't, I, I just don't think people care. It's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no way of knowing, but I, well, just the sense that I get is like everyone's like, yeah, okay, fine. The, so. This, the, this is the kind of the thing that I was gonna maybe move on to and get your guys' thoughts on it. I don't mean this to sound negative, but it's just kind of my feel on this based on everything they said in this recent Night City Wire. So we've got the expansion, and it sounds like we're all relatively interested in what that has to offer, like you said, Chris, in story terms, and the idea that this hopefully would just be another example of CD Projekt Red doing what they do best, which ultimately often resides in the writing side of things. And if they nail that, yeah. this could be great. It could be worth the price of admission, so on and so forth. But as we mentioned, uh, recently they launched uh, a Patch 1.6, or the Edge Runners update, that has fixed a bunch more stuff. It's added... Some weapons. It's added a, you know, a, you know, some outfits. It's added a transmog system now, so you can finally wear one set of things and look like something else, so people can actually live out their cyberpunk fashion dreams. But one thing that I thought was interesting was what Jonesy said to me just then, which was that he dove back in for the next gen update to play it on PS5, which of course then for Jonesy um, that would have been the most at the time the most up to date version of the game, the most up to date version you played. But that was also launched alongside a really significant patch, one that actually came after I'd played the game to completion. Was um, that 1.5? I think it was. 
because I remember thinking, oh, there's there's no good no good time to jump in and play this thing. And I went in and played it, and I finished it like the week that the new patch came out, which I think was also what sort of came to the next gen. I think Jonesy, you just said that you went there and you played it, and the 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 car simulation still wasn't quite up to snuff, and the police system still bothered you. I think that you already played a version of the game that was significantly better in you know in relative terms to the version that launched. And it didn't really move the needle for you. And I think that's going to happen with 1.6. I like, even think, despite the references that you, you point out earlier, Jonesy, to uh, an overhaul of the cop system and vehicle-to-vehicle combat supposedly coming in patch 1.7, once it's next-gen only, I don't think that those are going to be instrumental and you know completely overhauling changes and additions. And I think the idea that Cyberpunk could do a No Man's Sky and could keep being patched for four or five years, I think will die out over the course of 2023. I don't think we're going to get much after 1.7. And I think we're already looking at the bones of what this game is going to be indefinitely. I don't know if that's a yeah. negative take, but... No, I agree with you. Like, are we, are we at the stage where we can admit this game will not just keep being patched and updated until it's everything we hoped and dreamed it would be? No, nah, like it, it's it's not going to be a no man's sky, right? Like they they're not going to have the longevity. They've already, they're already moving on to multiple Witcher projects, like, and I think that's why they're saying that this is probably the only DLC because they're just like, you know what? It it's, you know, it's out there. It is what it is. People have formed their opinion to try and sway them. Would maybe take a lot more effort than they're willing to put into it. They've made their money from it put out a DLC because they said they're going to do it. They had these ideas. Maybe there's a bit of passion involved. Maybe there's still a bit of business sense to do it. And just leave it at that. You know, I, I just want a world where I can wear my cyberpunk jacket and not feel ashamed out in public. I'll be honest. I think if we learn anything from some of our conversations last week, uh, you'll be able to wear that jacket with pride in about 20 years time when the cyberpunk 2077 from the ground up remake <laughs> arrives for the uh, PlayStation. But, but this, this is the thing. Yeah, PlayStation seventy six brought to you by Bethesda. Um, oh, ooh, interesting. No, the the thing is, like, it's like I said, like watching that trailer, you can't help but get hyped because that that heady mixture that they've got of like that cyberpunk aesthetic, what the game sure. does look like, because it does look gorgeous when it's working, um, you know, and and that kind of soundtrack, and you you almost transport it back to those early that early build-up and that early hype and it was like it was such a fucking flying oh, high in terms of a gaming fan right uh, so pr- free release basically um you know and, and and it's kind of like i watched that i'm like man what could have been what could have been yeah I, I i get i get you but yeah i don't know there's still a part of me that thinks what could have been and what still may be but but i, I also so I'm, yeah, I'm, what, I'm hearing both arguments and i Okay, but what about you, big man? Like, where are you like, set on it? I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic than Jonesy is, to be honest. Um, and, and which to say, Jonesy was naively optimistic. I just think that Jonesy is kind of like glass half full, which is totally fair because it's a game that, in some respects, does deserve uh, a glass half full outlook. There was just the one thing, for example, that caught my eye this past week, um, alongside the Night City, where I was one of the CD Projekt Red, sort of more senior CD Projekt Red employees, having a back and forth with someone on Twitter about why New Game Plus will never be a thing in Cyberpunk 2077. Um, A thing that, you know, 
without pointing fingers, a lot of other RPGs and a lot of other games of that nature have been able to implement over the years. Not always at launch. It is a very commonly seen as a thing that's patched in after the fact. Yeah. But they were just, you know, they were going through a laundry list of things that they saw as reasons why they couldn't um, implement a feature like that. And some of them were kind of technical and some of them were a little bit more sort of like um heady and a little bit more about well this part of the game would be completely like redundant if you were this powered this way and this part would be too easy if you would do that and if you had this double jump at this stage you could go out of that but it also just sounded like these are technical hurdles that you guys feel like you can't go back and address because of the way the game was built to begin with and it was this weird reminder of some of the conversations we had alongside some of the early patches and alongside us sharing some of our first thoughts about this game which was that like fundamentally cyberpunk occasionally feels like a game that wasn't built on a strong enough base with strong enough technical foundations for them to make what a lot of people wanted this product to be from day one um yeah we, we said yeah. we said that like the game systems were quite clearly broken inherently broken and right. like they were just missing you know, though that was one of the biggest things they were they were completely like, missing like yeah. all, all, all like the police system which you know from day one has been a thing of like we're going to spawn in police near you um when like when you're not around we're going to spawn them in behind you which means that if you get in a tour if you're on a six by six feet rooftop with the wanted level like cops are just going to infinitely spawn three feet behind your back whenever you're not looking that way (laughs) also the police can't drive so there are no car chases if you're wanted level and you just drive you'll lose your wanted level little things like that and i remember we would speculate very early doors about when something like that might get fixed, and like there was some idea, you know, back when they when that the, when they got through the hot fix stage, that the first time they do like a one point one or a one point two, something like that might go away. We're now at one point seven being on the horizon <laughs> and talking about how great it is that they're going to stop supporting the PlayStation Four and Xbox One, so they can patch something in that was like like really negatively received by fans on day zero. Um, yeah. yeah, and that for me is sort of like representative of everything that cyberpunk is and everything that everything that cyberpunk will be which is a fascinating game uh some phenomenal writing and some phenomenal storytelling wrapped up in a technical mess that they've slowly picked at and improved upon but that will never quite be everything that we thought it would be and that's fine but it's there is a lesson to be learned there i guess hopefully on both ends of that spectrum um yeah yeah i i, I think there's a bigger thing with all of this um moving to next gen etc is like how is Stadia still a thing? Bro, the Go- Go- Google have the world's most powerful supercomputers. They could just run Cyberpunk on the supercomputer and beam it to you. <laughs> the, yeah, the funny yeah. thing is, for a lot of people, Stadia might be the only way they can play uh, Cyberpunk, expan- uh, the expansion, Phantom Liberty, if they want, yeah. because they're not going to be able to play it on their console if they've got a PlayStation 4. So they're going to have to, uh, or an Xbox, they're going to have to go out and get a Stadia account just so they can play it. It was the Stadia master plan, baby. Google <laughs> wrote it up this way from the very beginning. Hell yeah. Yeah. Step one, make sure Cyberpunk is a bit of a donkey. <laughs> exactly. Google Google wrote a fat check to CD Project Red so they could technically fuck up Cyberpunk um, and make it so the stadium was the only viable platform, the platform for the future. Um, yeah. But Cyberpunk aside, Chris, I don't actually know how to answer your question. I don't really know how or why Stadia is still a thing. There was a tweet that going around the other day about like Stadia had committed to releasing 100 games this year, or really? having 100 games on Stadia this calendar year, and it's September, and they've they're at like 40. I mean, um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're at 40. Bob smacked I mean, actually. 
Yeah, but they're probably at the stage now where they pay you if you want to put a game on Stadia. They're like, no, we'll promise we'll, you port it. We'll give you the money. Come on. We're Google. We're <laughs> yeah. good for it. I promise it's not an no. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you a Pixel. Pixel phones yeah. for everyone. I mean, yeah. that doesn't sound like a bad deal, actually. Yeah. I like my Pixel phone. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of weird, man. Also, interesting to to point out there, just going back to a, a slight previous conversation we've had on this podcast, that they are considering Xbox Series S as a next-gen console. Mm. What do you think about that, Alex Jones? I mean, it's, yeah, it's halfway there, so fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than you gave up in the last conversation we had about it. A fair player. Oh, I don't. I don't even remember <laughs> like uh, the last conversation we had. But uh, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, how could they not? Like, how could they not include it um, on the Xbox S, like XS? Which one is it? The X, the S, the S. The, the S is the lower powered the one S. without a disk drive. Yeah. Yeah, like, how, like how, they could. How could they not? Imagine if they'd have said you can't get this on the Xbox Series S. Like, people would have just been like, what? Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I, I like, I'm a little bit torn now because I know I said before, like that they, I think it's out of order. They not, it's not going to be um, on PlayStation Four. But as it's paid for now, it kind of changes the game a little bit because it's not free, so you would have to buy it anyway. So I suppose it's, yeah. it is what it is. Well, Though it'd be interesting to see how the patch works. Like if Patch One Point Seven just doesn't get pushed on PS4s, and so like it's this weird thing of like. The same disc does two different things in two different consoles, and wow. one gets an update and the other one doesn't. And well, they've, I mean, they've said that they're going to yeah, still te- technically support the versions on the previous consoles. So, which is which is I suppose which is good at least that they've said that. At least they haven't said we're just cutting all of our support completely for uh, previous gen. But I mean, to be fair, what does that sure. even mean? Like, if it breaks, we'll fix it. <laughs> That's probably about it. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't even even think I don't even think it goes that far. I think if it breaks, they'll be like, yeah. It's broken. <laughs> it's it's still broken. On. Yeah, it, it's almost like their 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 coverage and their support that they're pledging is to just acknowledge the fuck ups. But that's about as far yeah. as they'll go. It would become the summer interns thing. It's like if you oh, do an internship no. at CD Project Red, you become the cyberpunk <laughs> dev team for for the summer. Um, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see what the what the future think of cyberpunk. Like I, you know, in in, in tw- 10, 20 years time, it, I'd, it'd be interesting to know how it's how that game is viewed. Uh, well, they'd, they'd only know about it from the discourse and the reviews, unless they fire it up on GOG. No, come on. Like, people these days don't care about what people thought when a game came out. They, they just completely rewrite history True. half the time with also, what they think of games. I have a theory about games that have, like, that are broadly reappraised after launch following successful patches and updates, which is that people are more willing to accept um, a game has been made better over the passage of time without having played it themselves than they are willing to accept a game that has just released is like good without playing it themselves and that like there are far more people out there that will spread the good word of no man's sky having never touched no man's sky <laughs> because it's just it's it's almost like you want to buy into that like success story and it's also just yeah, easier yeah. like you believe when you, you hear enough things in enough places then and so I think that will happen to Cyberpunk. There'll be, I, I reckon, this expansion will come out. This expansion will re- review exp- uh, like pretty damn well because it's 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 what CD Projekt Red do best, right? They've got the technical element as good as it needs to be to have a playable game, and they're going to write some fucking gnarly story that's going to be really good because they're very technically sound and savvy and uh, talented writers. So this expansion will come out and get nines out of tens. The people who keep playing Cyberpunk patch after patch will keep talking for ages and ages about how good it is. The people who don't play Cyberpunk will believe them and in 10 years' time will be like, man, you know what, Cyberpunk? 
that game did some really cool shit, which it did. So yeah, 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 maybe, maybe. I think it'd be it'd be funny yeah. in the future because people will sort of talk about Cyberpunk and how bad it was, and they'll talk about how glitchy it was, and you know that it it didn't work very well, and then they'll look at other like Bethesda games that came out not too long ago and like, hold on, this was good and that was shit. What are you talking about? Yeah, but hold on, because you see that the, the thing again is that just that stigma hanging over the cyberpunk like a fucking grim reaper, where it's like to pull the cyberpunk is like the thing. <laughs> it is, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To release a game before you should have. But and in that bad cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very yeah, true. like that's an industry defining term right there. Anyway, Can you ever recover from yeah. that? Do you think they'll ever? Do you think they'll recover? Yes. So, uh, so, so CD Projekt Red. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they'll ever like get back to the pre pre cyberpunk? Let, let me days? let me let me rephrase that question for you. Let me no, let me ask you a question with another question. If the next Witcher is good, will people buy it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But then, <laughs> do people remember how buggy I think that's the Witcher the challenge three they face. But this was, I, we talked about this at the time. But, the, but Witcher, no, they, Witcher but they three, don't. They Witcher don't. three, and Cyberpunk were chalk and cheese. They were, they were, but uh, Witcher 3 had a lot of uh, game-breaking bugs in it when it was released. And one of the things we talked about at the time, I think going back, and, and I referenced this when we used, talked about Cyberpunk when it was released, was uh, a lot of the stuff they were going to do to fix it, because I'd said a lot of the game-breaking bugs I'd had with Witcher 3, I think I had three or four, like, literally game-breaking bugs. Like, the only thing I possibly could have done is to restart the game <clears> again. <throat> they brute-forced the, the bugs in order to get through them. Like, they didn't actually fix them. They just did like an, a really like smash and grab workaround, and that's what they did with Cyberpunk for a while. So I wasn't actually that surprised. I don't. I don't want to start an argument, but I feel like you're the only person who has that account of The Witcher Three having like three to four game breaking bugs per individual that were ultimately brute forced and not fixed. I don't hear that account anywhere else online. But they went. They went back and fixed. I, them. I, I did. I didn't have a, a game breaking. I know. I know. It's like a he said. She said. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any game breaking. The other thing I'll say about Witcher, you want to talk about timelines and how like better. They did. Off, they did a lot to Witcher Three. They they did shitloads to that game to fix. Yeah, it but in the you, back end. can I say something? Can I say something that might make you raise an eyebrow in terms of timelines, in terms of how little The Witcher Three actually had to fix and how quickly they did it? So we're two two years almost almost two years from the release of Cyberpunk, yeah. and we've just been teased about the expansion for the first time. Witcher 3's first expansion came out like six months after the game. I was going to say, I think it was six months before they'd fixed the bugs in Witcher 3. So the time, no, you're absolutely right. The time frame is completely different. Like they'd, they'd fixed it, changed the, uh, the UI chain, like they'd sorted out a load of the stuff that people didn't like about that. They'd fixed the game breaking bugs and they'd done all of it in six months. Like they'd, because I remember, I couldn't play it. It just it was night and it was night and day. It was the, the amount of bugs we're talking. It about. wasn't. It was night and day, and you didn't have the bugs in the way that the Cyberpunk had, like constant. You know, like tiny bugs throughout the entire experience. Witcher three, like totally. you had to play shitloads of the game to get to a point. Like personally, like you said, you didn't have it. Where I had a bug, and then I think I've said before in the pod, like I went away and I came back in a month and it was fixed. But and then I went away and I had another one, and then I went away for a month and then it was fixed. Whereas Cyberpunk seemed to just take obviously it's taken a lot, a hell of a lot. Yeah, but there's another point to this, right? As the company that pulled a Cyberpunk. They're not going to pull a Witcher four. You know what I mean, like I, th- I they, think I agree. Any anyone left in that company, even if it's just one, like the fucking janitor, if there's only the janitor left that was there from the cyberpunk era when they release Witcher four, they are never going to repeat that mistake. I think I agree. I, I, which doesn't mean I think they're going to release a flawless game, but I don't think they're going to open themselves up for as much of a mess yeah, as they yeah, did yeah. ever again. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I guess I agree. Okay. The, only, wow. the, only, the only reason I say that is because they had issues with, and to be fair, the issues with Witcher 3 were pretty standard, like we're saying. They were nowhere near as bad as Cyberpunk. But the scale, of, scalability, or the scale from Witcher 3 to Cyberpunk was obviously they went much bigger and they tried to do much more. And that, I guess, is where they had the problems. So I suppose, to my mind, the only question would be, it depends how, if they try and do loads more with Witcher 4 or whether they sort of rein it back into a, no, it's just a scaled up Witcher 3. But I don't know what a massively expanded Witcher 4 would look like. like well, I mean, they're, they're making it on Unreal for the first time, right? Which is like, so there's an engine change, I guess, which I think sounds like a helpful starting point. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, CD Projekt Red have you know, hopefully many years ahead of them and many games ahead of them to support both of these franchises and anything new they have on the horizon. But it's going to be very interesting to see how they tiptoe around not just the future of Cyberpunk um, in terms of 2077 and the franchise, but also the next Witcher game. And whether, yeah, gamers are dumb enough and have enough short-term memory issues that it's just one and done. The Witcher Force <laughs> good and we're back on board, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's um, exactly what it'll be. It's, that's what it'll be for me. Um, <laughs> I just because I know I asked the question, but I would I would even say that if they dropped Cyberpunk twenty seventy eight, <laughs> that people would be back on board immediately as well. Yeah, if it's if they started teasing Cyberpunk twenty seventy eight, like let's say next summer, we'd all have to be very cautious and treat trailers with a healthy amount of skepticism. Boys, but if that, you, you don't even have to <laughs> go that far. No, you don't even have to go that far. If they just say, yeah, fucking Phantom Liberty is. Balls, amazing. That's what it's going to take. <laughs> but the everyone's fans- got a everyone's got a fucking copy of this game. Oh no! But, but I mean, as in, as in, if they just said, "Hey, we're releasing Cyberpunk 2078," I reckon the hype train would be ju- back on the tracks, even if they did nothing between now. And I don't. Then. I think people would. Get I, don't, all I, don't, I don't think it would be. I don't okay, think it would right, be. Fair enough. I, I, I <laughs> think. I think if there any continuation of the Cyberpunk franchise, well, coming from CD Projekt Red, they have to fucking work for it they have to prove it and the reviews need to like as a consumer you'd be like all right i'm just we'd all wait nobody would and if if the reviews are if the reviews are quality people will go back for sure i'm I'm positive of that but yeah yeah that's that's you're telling me oh they're going to drop a trailer for 2078 (laughs) and people are going to lose that no one i I think i'm I'm going to split the difference between the two of you but i will say i don't think jonesy's entirely wrong in that i think there are consumers out there with a healthy enough optimism and an unhealthy enough skepticism that when they hear that they're like, "This is this is going to be great." <laughs> they're going to think, "Oh, they can't fuck up again." They know what they did wrong last time. They're going to get it right this time. This is going to be great, kind of thing. And but you both just said yeah. that with Witcher Four. Yeah, which is why I'm agreeing. With no, I know, I know. So I was like, like but Chris is saying he's Chris I, doesn't I, agree. I, I, I give. Yeah, but I, I think, I, I think, I but I think that's different because Witcher is not a, a tainted. Uh, Fucking property at this at this stage. It's not. It's 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 a property, fucking soaring on the wings of eagles. <laughs> been, that 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 shit's been fucking, you know, compared to what cyberpunk has turned out to. If if you go and ask anyone there right now, go outside on the street, find someone in your fucking village, and say, "Give me your opinion on Witcher." They'll tell you one thing, and say, "Give me your opinion on cyberpunk." They'll tell you complete opposite tale, and that is why. I have that opinion. Because it's funny because it's fun. I, I find it interesting how you delineate between the two just because of the they're a different franchise. Like they're the same company. But it's it's not the franchise, it's the it's the critical reception. Oh no, I mean I and mean it's, it's the, the quality and it's the of stigma the, around it. I mean as to the yeah. quality of the next one. Like you're saying Witcher 4 would be fine 
they're not going to have any problems with Witcher 4. It'll come out, be great like Witcher 3 was. No, no, no. So, so you, you're misunderstanding here. I think that there's not going to have as many problems with Witcher 4 than they did with Cyberpunk because they're learning from Cyberpunk. But as a separate thing, saying if they release any kind of Witcher 4 thing, yeah. going off of the back of what, what the critical reception of Witcher 3 was, it's absolutely fine. But if they had to release something on, on Cyberpunk 2078, as an example, whatever it might be, judging from the critical reception of Cyberpunk, th- those are two separate issues entirely. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, agreed, agreed. The reception and yeah. the perception is very different to, yeah, like the reality of the... Yeah. yeah. But I, d- I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I still think, I, st- I don't know, I'd still be hesitant with Witcher 4 as well. I'd be like, okay, let's see what's, let's see what's going on with this. I mean, mate, from the, from the developers that bought you Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> you should be fucking cautious. <laughs> from the developers that fixed Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> just all we're saying is give it a year. Wait, Witcher 4 comes out, give it a year, and then hop in, you'll be fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if uh, CD Projekt Red, they're probably, uh, it would be curious to see how hard they go with the marketing on it, because we know that, with Cyberpunk, they were fucking hard. So hard. mate, they're, they're going hard again True. with the Night City Wires for a bloody expansion that's coming out in like, we don't even know when, sometime next year. Yeah, but already. we didn't know, like Jamie was the only one that knew that this fucking Night City oh. Wire came out. And and this is coming from a person, you know, you, you've said it from as a person owning a Cyberpunk chair. Oh yeah. Only, to you be know? fair, I only found out because it's like the next two weeks are, well, Things might actually change because, uh, you know, some news broke this afternoon in the UK that will undoubtedly change whether or not some events take place and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, pa- but- apparently it's already postponed um, uh, Nintendo Direct, a, a I, potential Nintendo Direct. Yeah, supposedly so. So um, it's not going to be quite as hectic as um, we thought it was going to be, but the reason I was knew about the CD Projekt uh, Red uh, live stream is because this was going to be an almost apocalyptically big uh, two-week <laughs> stint of showcases and live streams and so on and so forth. And I was looking at like a list of them all. It's like, oh, there's a there's a Night City Wire tonight. Who'd have thunk? Um, <laughs> this is um, yeah. I was going to say something assault, uh, a, a bit cheeky, but I'm not going to go on. Why not? I was going to say this. Yeah. This is going to be the excuse that they're going to use to delay uh, Ragnarok without get without getting any. Uh, <laughs> without getting any mud on their egg on their face mud egg on their face sorry guys we've had to delay it to 2023 because of what the real i mean you you know what you know what sony have delayed their state of plays for various world affecting kind of things and i wouldn't wouldn't put it past them no i'm only only missing missing you know what's not getting delayed or cancelled or postponed or anything as a result of the news we received this afternoon us? Us, the Super Show podcast that you're listening to right now that is being recorded just hours after the death of Her Majesty the Queen is going to be put out live on the internet the day after the death of Her Majesty the Queen, RIP. Wow. Um, and the reason we're allowed to and able to do something like that is because, largely speaking, we don't really care about any platforms and what they do to us and what we do to them, and that's because we are supported by you, the listeners, and more specifically... Yeah, Hold on, sorry, Jim. I have Hang to on. interrupt you there. I have to interrupt you there because the only platform we do care about is Google Stadia. Continue. <laughs> sorry, yes, of course. Uh, the Super Show podcast coming soon to Google Stadia. Yes, <laughs> we are proud to announce we are hashtag one of the one hundred. Uh, 
Um, the other platform we care about, though, is, of course, Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Super Show. And the reason we care about it is because it gives you, the listeners, the viewers, and the enjoyers of this podcast, well, hopefully, maybe hate viewers. That would be fun. Reach out if you're one of the people that supports the Patreon because you hate us and you hate listening to us and you hate that you can't stop listening to us, so you have to keep supporting us. Anyway, that was a tangent. I apologize. The reason I love the Patreon is because it gives us a means and a platform to connect to you as you connect with us. If you head over to that link, patreon.com forward slash super show, what you'll find is a number of different tiers that you can uh, pledge to. For example, there's a $2 tier that gets you access to our Discord server. There's a $5 tier that starts to get you access to Patreon-exclusive content. We've got Patreon-exclusive <coughs> podcasts. We've got behind-the-scenes videos. We've got Let's Plays. We've got all kinds of shit on there. A whole archive, if you will of Super Show content that we shot over the years, and it's all available to you. For example, if you went to patreon.com forward slash Super Show and pledged $5 a month, there are other tiers there. They come with other bonuses. One of the bonuses, for example, is to be able to get your name or screen name or whatever you want it to be on screen. Some of those names are on screen right now. We often just copy and paste or write them out verbatim exactly as they are. So if you wanted to make a joke or a prank on us or say something funny or give a shout out to your friends, you could do that via Patreon. There are also... Uh, to cause further embarrassment, additional names which we actually read out loud. Yes, really. And people have turned me their jokes before. And I'm going to do that right now, starting with <laughs> Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K, Crow's Perch, I Snort Rock Salt, Jesper Camdal Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Piers, Pastors Guild, and the Big Dogs, the Head Honchos, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswatt. Thank you all ever, ever, ever so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And Pick up. Pick up. I will say again, like obviously we do uh, read out the names and put the display names on screen, depending on which tier the, the Patreon you uh, pledge to. There is a limit. Um, and we have had names and people who have attempted to make jokes before that we have looked at and said, we cannot publicly broadcast or display that information or that wording <laughs> on the internet. And thus we will have to resort to using just their real name. So that wasn't a whole pass to say some atrocious shit. <laughs> Although if you do have any Queen Elizabeth jokes, again, this is probably a good week for them. Um, anyway, lads, uh, should we chat a little bit about what we've been playing in the past week? Ooh, sure. Spicy. Yeah. Jonesy. I feel like you might have got a little something that you wish to bring to the party. Uh, I'll keep it very brief. Um, just say that I've played a bit more of Cult of the Lamb. Uh, still plugging my way through that. Um, still a very enjoyable Switch game. Um, easily my favourite version of that style of game that I've played. Uh, I think probably ever. Am I going to say ever? Oh, interesting. I think I'll say ever. Which, but hang on. Which style? Because Cult of the Lamb is infamously two styles that are often separate but mashed together. <sighs> I don't even. I hate the, the, the. What's the when you? How do you say it? Like conglomeration or whatever they say when you put multiple things together. I don't even know how you'd say it. Like, is it a dungeon crawler? Is it a um uh, a farming game? Is it a like base build? I I don't even know what it is. But all I know is it's fun. Um, and I've been enjoying it. <laughs> and the way that it sort of effortlessly weaves a narrative between multiple styles of gameplay is very enjoyable. The combat is simple enough that even I can be good at it and not worry about wow. beating bosses and stuff. Um, but also challenging <laughs> enough that you're not going to survive every interaction with the uh, enemies. Um, the way that the game scales is is still keeping me engaged and entertained. Um, often, you know, games can get a bit stale in the way that, you know, you beat a boss and then you want to go back to the same area and it gets boring. 
but no, they they can they keep it fresh. They add some new stuff in. They've got a few different um, hooks uh, to keep you farming. One of the I didn't expect it to kind of um, tax me as much as it is when you're trying to keep your cult alive. I thought that aspect of it was going to almost be something that you just forget about and you don't really worry about. But you do actually have to think about right. like supporting your little animals and keeping them. Um, see, you kind of, you've got to keep them as part of your cult. You've got to do things to make them. Um, want to stay because otherwise they'll turn on you and they'll start spreading lies about you but then you can do fun things like throw a little animal in jail or um you can try and retrain them uh so that they you know you can use a bit of what do they call that karma like a uh, mind conversion a conversion therapy maybe or or um uh what do they call it when the cia do it to you and they're like melt your brain oh like mk ultra like call of duty Black like brainwashing stuff. yeah yeah brainwashing yes so uh, you can brainwash them to like be part of your cult again. Or my favorite thing, you just sacrifice them in a ritual, which is um, the thing I like to do uh, the most. Is there a way to brainwash them to get them to go and get you some orange sherbet? You can't get them to go orange sherbet. <laughs> you can send them out to get resources. Um, I don't think orange sherbet is... Uh, it's close common, enough. But it's close. It's close. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. Enough. It's a good time. Nice. That's a game that I still mean to play, and hopefully I will before the end of the year. Although you never know, because... It always feels like we're on the verge of things really spicing up when it comes to hot new releases that take our breath away. Speaking of hot new releases that take our breath away, Chris, have you played <laughs> anything new this past week? Yeah, thanks for this out. No. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I've played nothing first. I don't know where the time has gone. Like, honestly, it, it, it feels like yesterday was Sunday. Like, it's, it's mad. I don't know where the time's gone. Um, but... God, I haven't played any games, which has been kind of abysmal. But I have been watching some stuff. I watched mm. um, the t- first two episodes of Lord of the Rings show on Amazon, The Rings of Power. I thoroughly enjoy it. I, nice. I, I really do. It's like, good to hear. I am a Lord of the Rings fan by way of the films. Um, didn't care for The Hobbit and The Hobbit films that much. Um, not a fan of the books. You know, tried reading them, got really bored after about a handful of chapters and be like, yeah, not for me. And I think that's why I'm okay with the show. I know it's a little bit contentious at the moment. Like a lot of people saying, oh, it's too woke. Oh, Tolkien's kind of turning in his grave with what they've done. Is it? Kind of is, it my... is it gone? But... Is it all, is it gone all woke? No. I mean, has it? How would it even, it, how it, would it? it? It's in middle that, earth. That, that thing, it, that, thing the, that Chris just said about Tolkien turning in his grave is what Elon Musk tweeted, for example. Yeah, literally. I, I honestly, I think it's like I, I hear stuff like this. I'm like, just fucking get over yourself. Like, Jesus Christ. I'm not a fan. I don't um, know that world apart from the games, the video games. So I'm uh, apparently like, um, some but, black. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like some black people in it. And it's like, oh, how can you have black people in Middle Earth? How dare and you? They're being um, racially abused now. Did they not yeah, have it already? This is the thing. This is the thing I don't fucking understand. Okay. They're like, oh, how can you have um so in, they don't have hobbits in this they've got like proto hobbits okay right. called halffoots okay um and lenny henry is one of them he's been getting like oh, abused nice. like what a ledge. oh no, yeah no, I, was, no, I was saying nice to lenny henry not the abuse i, I, <laughs> I timed that really timing <laughs> um and, and and all these halffoots have irish accents and i i i fellas obviously I watched this and I and then I wanted to read some reviews and then I've been getting sent reviews and, and now I'm in the fucking Google algorithm and and I'm 
you know, privy to whatever it kind of fucking sends me. And I can't tell you the amount of um, articles that I've been pushed towards me from Google saying, like, dissecting how bad it is that these Harfoots have Irish accents. And I'm just like, excuse me, it's fucking Middle Earth. It's not real, you dingus. Oh, do they, but hold on, do they mean that in the way that, like, George Lucas, they say that he racially sort of categorized people in the Star Wars universe? Are they saying that they're saying half-wits equals Irish accent because that he... No, but they're not half-wits, they're half-wits. What are you saying? H a r f o o t half foot. I thought you were calling them half wits. I thought you were saying no. they were half wits. See, that's your no. racial bias coming. They would no, no, that's your accent. accent if they that's were half the wits. Half wits. No, no, but like, I, it's just like, oh, how how can they have Irish accents and this that? It's just like, get over yourself. How can they be black? Oh, get over yourself. Oh, oh why are there so many women? In, get over yourself. Like <laughs> they, the they want is, one show okay. just full of white men. They just want like gay porn. That's what they really want. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> yeah, just oh, an idea. Okay. Sure. For yeah. any racists but, out there. <laughs> but I'm just, I just like. I don't know. Like, like, I, don't, I, I don't know any of the source material, so I don't, you know, I don't really know. But look, it does seem kind of dumb, here, right? Here's the thing. Like, I, like I'm reading some of the discourse around it and I, and I get frustrated by it. But then again, I think back to my own kind of comments on X Defiant saying like, oh, Tom Clancy will be rolling in his grave. You know, <laughs> yeah, and it kind of makes me feel a bit bad. It's not on the same level by any means because I'm not calling Estefan um, racist. I'm just calling it dumb. Okay, and that's a little bit different. But it, it was never going to be an easy thing to follow up the Lord of the Ring films. Okay, so it, potentially one of the greatest trilogies ever committed to celluloid. Right. Um, it was always going to have a tough time appeasing Tolkien fans, like especially the hardcore ones. And so what they did is they didn't retread some of the other books. They just took like snippets of the appendices of the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy and 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 the expanded stories and et cetera. And then they set it as a prequel and they kind of rolling with it in their own way and, and their own kind of take on it. And it's just kind of like, just just enjoy it for what it is, like as a like super high polished, enjoyable thing. Like, look, some of the criticisms that has been laid on it are like oh it's a bit boring i can get that you know i can i can understand that but then again like have you tried to read the lord of the rings <laughs> have you have either of no. you had tried to read lord of the rings no seriously no, i tried question. to read i tried to read the hobbit but not lord of the, any of the right lord of the rings. okay lord of, i tried to read lord of the rings when the films came out because so previously i had read like maybe half of the hobbit and got like fucking bored out of my skull also because school made me read it and anytime school makes you do something you're just like i'm <laughs> yeah. not doing it um but yeah, I was like, no, you know what? I'm I'm old enough. I'm mature enough. I should read The Lord of the Rings because that's like, you know, a seminal piece of work. And fucking hell, fellas, after the fourth chapter about uh, describing the grass and the color of the grass in fucking Hobbiton, <laughs> I was like, you know, this is probably not for me. I had the, it's not going I anywhere. had the same reaction to War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, couldn't fine, get, fair couldn't enough. get through the first chapter. It's so boring. But, but 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 it's also like it's it's a show that they're hoping to go on for multiple seasons, right? Yeah. Like, okay, they might. I, I personally, I didn't find it boring. I found it fascinating because I like getting immersed in those high fantasy kind of worlds, and I'm willing, maybe more so than others, to give it the benefit of the doubt and see where they're kind of developing it. Um, you know, especially we're going in a prequel where it's like 
thousands of years before what people have come to know and expect. Like, you know, maybe maybe go with it for a little bit instead of just the two episodes that have been fucking released and losing your shit over it and I, you know, I kind of get it to burn your baby alive. I kind I kind of get it when it's one character. Like so so I used to always when I was a kid, like I would read books um a lot more so than I do now. And I would have like in my head, I'd have a vision of who the the character is based on the the book of the novel. And when I would then yeah, see okay. the film version of it, so when people have like a oh that wasn't the person I imagined, I'm so I saw I'm okay that's fair enough because I I had that loads of times as a kid where I'm like oh that's not how I imagined them. I wasn't like annoyed, yeah. but it just kind of it just made me feel like oh yeah. But Jonesy, like there's there's a difference of that, and there's another difference of saying like oh, I'm going to send death threats to this, but this actor also- because he's he's the wrong skin color to what I thought. There's also a difference when it's a, a, a character, character it, but like. that di- that didn't exist in the fucking thing, yeah. but was created out of a fucking appendix. That that's uh, what I was going to uh, say. Appendices, yeah. and it's, it's just mental to me. Look, mm-hmm. one of the other things that they, that people are like complaining about is the characterization of Galadriel. She is the kind of like main driving force in this prequel. Obviously, in the original trilogy, she was played by Kate Blanchett. Right. She was like. The elf lady in in the woods. Um, I forgot what the she's like four thousand years old or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But it's like that's elves, right? That's just fucking what they do. Yeah. But in this, she's like a commander and she's a warrior and she's like hunting down like evil and stuff. And I'm like, I I can dig it. I, I don't have a problem with it. But I can see where people might have a problem with it. Ah, uh, the but recharacterization not, of the character is like that to this sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, but 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 again, I don't know from the appendices if that was a thing that was laid out or this is completely done for the show. But, okay, like, maybe just go with it. I don't know. Like, what was your... T- what, before you move on from Galadriel, because the only thing I saw of it really was um, there was a scene where she, I think it's Galadriel takes on, like, this big Yeti monster thing and loads of people were ridiculing the editing, saying, like, it was the cu- the way it's cut was really annoying. Did you find that at all? Or were you pretty happy with the show, that sort of so in, in that aspect, I think like there was a, a interesting build up to kind of the danger of it. And then as soon as it kind of attacks, then Galadriel just kind of like kills it. And it was a little bit of like a, a, a nice kind of anticip- anticipation and build up, but not much of a payoff because it's like, it, it's a, a massive fucking ice troll. Right. And then Galadriel just kind of like kills it with minimal effort. So I can see stuff like that kind of annoying people. Um, yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know, like, you 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 could say that that could have been better for sure. You don't need to sit in death threats or you know review bomb or anything like that. Um, I don't know where people get to the point of going. I'm really annoyed with this. I'm going to send them a death threat. Like, yeah, come on, I mean, man. I, I Is it know. worth you getting a call but, from the your local uh, government <laughs> enforcement agency <laughs> for this? But the thing I will say, fellas, is the the money involved in the show drips off this fucking screen and it looks incredible honestly honestly yeah. it looks amazing but hey th- that's, that, that's my two cents on it i think i may well give it a go i might wait till the whole season's out um, yeah and, yeah and that's know, fair yeah take a recap then but i'm definitely interested because I, I i like the lord of the rings movies i haven't watched them in a very long time but i yeah. was really into them growing up i saw each of them in the cinema i was like one of those i was the kid who had to get dragged to these three-hour-long films that my parents couldn't stand, but I was like, no, we're going. Oh, mate, yeah, I was there in the cinema. I watched all of the extended editions and DVD when mm-hmm. it came out. Like, it, when it came to the films, I was fucking, I was there for it. I think I must have seen, like, The Two Towers maybe, like, 
I don't know, 20 times easy. Wow, that's pretty yeah, impressive. I've, yeah. I've not it's watched Oh, man, that, that battle for Helm's Deep is amazing. I've not watched them. What, what, what was your Lord of the Rings then, Jonesy, if you had one? Uh... Like a, what? Like a franchise? Like a franchise or a series? Or like yeah, a, like a bit a big epic franchise. That's like, so the, maybe just like the more traditional ones, like uh, Gladiator. Uh, I even, I like Troy, even though some of that was shit. I liked um, um, <laughs> more so more historically like, accurate stuff. Even like Willow, say? like Willow back in the day. Like, I love oh, Willow. Willow. Willow is quality. Um, yeah. uh, I uh, Krull, like a lot of those sort of eighties fantasy ones. Like when I was a kid, even like Dungeons and Dragons, the movie. Uh, oh no, Dragon Slayer! Like Dragon Slayer was lit when I was a kid, but they were all crap. Like if you watch them now, you'd be like, "Oh, this is terrible." <laughs> but when I was sort of like nine, ten, yeah, like I absolutely loved them. I think Lord yeah. of the Rings. I'd never read the books, and then by the time they came out, I tried to. I think I tried to watch the first one a few times and the second one a few times, but I just always kept falling asleep. And they were so long. <laughs> I, I'm sure they're good. Like I just, I just could never get down with it but they're legitimately like it's easy to forget for example that return of the king won the oscar for best picture like yeah they're not just good fantasy films they're like legitimately oh um, i've I've got a great little anecdote about about the the tech that they created for it because obviously like we to digital etc um so for the battle of helm's deep they had all the kind of orcs attacking the stronghold where all the like the lines of the humans and the owls were kind of like holed up against right um the way that they programmed the AI for the, the computer-generated hordes of the orcs, they they kind of said, they programmed it to say, win at any cost, right? Like, that's how they kind of, like, did it. And then they ran the simulation, and all the orcs just put down all of their weapons and just ran away. Right. So, like, because the only way they could win was by yeah, it was fleeing. not to not to engage, basically. Weird. Isn't that yeah? Losing? And then they and then they had to go back to the like programming of the AI and be like, no, actually, like, you need to fight. That's kind of mad. <laughs> yeah, special editions, baby. I'm, yeah. That's the thing I miss about like special edition DVDs and stuff and extended editions, all that extra shit, which you know we still get, but like, it, it's not that occasion of putting the disc in going through the special features and be like, oh, I want to watch sure. this fucking featurette or whatever, you know? Can I admit something that's going to make me sound really dumb? Mm. I literally found out right now that when they make that sort of scene in a film, they don't individually, like, just make, move every character to do what they want, that they use... Or like, a, like they didn't hand animate and keyframe, uh, like, over a thousand orcs. I, I'd never thought about it until you just said they are oh, you the AI like in a com- computer game where they fight well, each other. I'm like, I've never thought about that before. I, I just assumed I they animated fair, it and fair, fair enough. Yeah, I think it's also still quite rare that you get quite as many people fighting on screen as you did get in some of those Lord of the Rings scenes. Right. Like the sheer size of those armies and some of those fights and how long some of those fights went on for was pretty remarkable considering the standard they had to hit as well, which you know. Was higher than, say, a video game cutscene could have been, at, <laughs> yeah. as it, at, you know, around two thousand and three, two thousand, yeah, whatever, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, I, I will. I'm. I'm happy to cap off the catch up section because I've only got one quick thing to give a shout out to, um, mm. and that's uh, immortality. Which, oh right, yeah. I forget if it was out last week. Uh, it's one of those ones where it kind of released, and it took me a little while to actually get up to speed on exactly what it was and why I was interested in it. Um, it's the new game from 
uh, Sam Barlow, who I keep having resist having to resist the temptation to uh, the return call uh, Ken Barlow, who is a very different very different individual. <laughs> um, uh, Sam Barlow, who made uh, her story kind of I don't remember when that was probably close to a decade ago now and Telling Lies um, yeah. as well which I never played Telling Lies to be fair but I played her story um, and for anyone that hasn't played any of those uh, Immortality is uh, of the same ilk in that it is kind of a FMV based mystery game where you have to scour through uh, FMV sequences um, to unravel a mystery and in this case it's the mystery of an actress that has gone missing and you have got access to three feature films that she recorded in three different eras, I think like late 60s, then one of the 70s, and one of the 90s, uh, that never got released for various reasons. And so you have to kind of crawl through uh, these unreleased feature films and try and find uh, clues as to what could have happened to this actress and unravel the mystery. There are other bits as well, like interviews she might have done or behind-the-scenes things where the camera might have kept rolling before or after a take and stuff like that. Um that all kind of like add more texture and context to what's going on. And it's also got this system where like, so her story was kind of, but this is the one from about a decade ago, had like an OS system where you would type yeah. in certain keywords and it would return all the videos, that the, the short clips that were relevant to the words you chose. This one, because obviously there's a lot of FMV and a lot to get through, it's got a system where you can interact with faces or objects uh, within the scene. So you can pause and say like, click on a face and it will take you to other things that that face appears in. So you can start kind of connecting, Ooh. almost like Pepe Silvia style, connecting the dots between, <laughs> hang on a second, like that person, I recognize that person who's an extra in this film. What were they doing in this film? Or like, that's the same piece of jewelry that was over here. And like, you kind of start connecting the dots. And while I haven't got to the, the central mystery yet, um, apparently it's pretty fucking good. Uh, so I don't think I've played an FMV we'll game see. since like Star Trek Academy. Where like the yeah, where the cutscenes were like FMV, but that's I, yeah, that's yeah. That sounds maybe weird. my last one was like I don't know, fucking Gabriel Knight two. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing that helps this is that one, all of the FMV is set in eras that are not, most definitely not now, and and two, they're all kind of like candid, and so like they're set up to be something else. So it's like. Because it might be like a, a, a you know a, a film being shot in the seventies on you know sixteen millimeter stock or whatever, and like the cameras kept rolling after a take, and you're watching actors interact, you know, like just casually. You're watching people act as though they're not acting, so it takes away some of that. You know, when someone's overdoing it in FMV, yeah. a lot of that layer gets scrubbed away. Or like there's a there's clips from like a, a late night talk show that like intentionally staged and like very late night talk showy and i will also say i might interest us actually uh, from a sort of an editor's perspective they do a really good job of emulating the the look and the feel and the way that some of the like 60s movies 70s movies 90s movies and also television like the way those things were staged and the way they were shot and kind of like types of grain or noise that like, would appear like I, I know it's very easy to kind of like slap on a red giant effect and say like make this look like an old timey <laughs> movie but they've done more than just like slap on some film grain or like a or like a crt filter um here and there like they've they've done some interesting things to kind of replicate bits of media that might have actually been from those eras um and it's on game pass which is always the final sentence <laughs> of all of this so um yeah yeah immortality um should we do a little comment of the week, gang? Hold on, hold on. Before you do that, none of you play 
bought and played Last of Us Part One. We've been good boys. Yeah, I think well, I think we did yeah. say that we neither we neither of us had any intention to do it. Yeah. You see, you you say that, but I, I sometimes I look at Jamie's like grinning face, and I'm like, that guy's gonna go and fucking. Can I, okay. <laughs> I'll make an honest confession, Chris, because you brought up the point. I'm considering doing it this weekend. Okay. But the reason I'm considering doing it is because one, it's still early enough in the month that I can make a stupid mistake financially speaking, <laughs> um, and two, I, I I've I've been I'm getting towards the tail end of a tricky project at work. And like it feels like a nice way of rewarding myself a and just indulging. Yeah, even yeah. if that panic cleanser is incredibly depressing and dark and violent and has a questionably happy or unhappy ending, um, I, it's still kind of like a nice trip down memory lane. So I can, yeah, I might a, indulge. It's yeah, I mean, like a game you've played before and you love that turns into comfort food, right? So yeah, exactly. Uh, and then after that, Elden Ring, right? Never say never. Never say never. Wee. Um, I do want to play it before the year's out, running out of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how about that comment of the week? Mm, please. Let's do it. This one comes in from Sean Cass, who commented on last week's upload over on YouTube, and they said, if a fourth big player was to enter the video game space, who do you think it would be, and what would be their appeal? For example, Xbox is all about the ecosystem and having as many options on where to, on where, excuse me, on where to play as possible, along with a very enticing value proposition. Then we have PlayStation with their genre-defining AAA big hitters, and Nintendo offers nostalgia and top-quality games that are never seen on other platforms. Um, interesting, br- yeah, interesting breakdown there on kind of how all three of the current big players have kind of like found their own niche for themselves um, yeah. while still fundamentally competing with one another. But a fourth big player, based on who's out there at the moment, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I no, really I had one. an idea about this. Uh, Already. Okay, yeah. sounds like it sounds like you've both got a hunch. Go on, go, go on, Jay. Okay, so my I think if it was going to be a fourth of player, it would be Apple, right? And they would effectively bring out something like the Apple TV, like it would just be a little box that plugged into your TV by one HDMI cable. You with the subscription, with the subscription, and you get mobile games, and you get like this halfway house. I th- yeah, you're not wrong. A halfway house between like <laughs> uh, you'd get Apple games or Apple Arcade but it would be like a, a leveled up version where it would be kind of a cross between P or PC meets Nintendo um, kind of feel. So they wouldn't be mobile games. They wouldn't be full fledged, uh, you know, triple A video games. They'd be this kind of in the middle ground when the old dead, all the, uh, the adverts would be people sitting down with the, the little Apple controller, like looking at their family who are sitting on the sofa with them <laughs> and they'd push a little button and it would go, but bling. And then you'd like access it and it would be yeah, this halfway between Xbox and, uh, and Nintendo, this like cutesy yeah. gaming family thing. I mean, you you just you just laid out the marketing for Nintendo Wii. Yeah, I don't think it'd be that dissimilar, right? It wouldn't be that dissimilar. <laughs> you guys are missing the the obvious fucking thing. The elephant in the fucking room. All right, go on. Fourth one is it already exists. It's PC. No, that doesn't, come on. no, that doesn't count. Like you can't. Of course, can't, it counts. What does, counts. what does PC stand for? Personal computer. So who is the for, who is the fourth big player, Chris? Well, you could Personal. say it. Uh, okay, as 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 an entity, as an individual, sure, fine, you got me on that one. But as as a platform, it's it's PC, and and the 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 distinction that it brings 
is modularity and modification over any of the yeah. other consoles. Like, it, ex- it exists. You can't you, say the, it doesn't exist. No, the thing is, you're totally right. I just don't think it's necessarily in the spirit of what Sean was asking. About. I, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. I, I think... You're obviously right in, like, the sense of all of that's another, it, the other yeah. strand, but... So, yeah, so, so taking that further, taking that further, there is an obvious player here, but they are Sega. their own worst... Oh, there's, there's two obvious players here. No, not Sega. There's two th- obvious I, players here, okay? I and think they I know both, where you're going with this. Both companies... Are, in, in different ways, are doing everything they can to make themselves not be successful. Ooh. Can, I get, can I guess? Yes, please do. Google it's and number Amazon. One. Google and Amazon. No and no. Oh, wow. In okay, what, then I, in, I went in the complete wrong direction. In what I'm thinking. Steam and Facebook. Oh, yep. Do you know what? Interesting. Interesting. Val- Valve especially is, is people who obviously... Valve flirted with Steam machines and now have successfully released a handheld. Yes, like, so but- it is successful. So, so, but what I mean by a company being their own worst enemy, okay? Let's take Facebook because that's an easy one, okay? Sure. Oculus and their push into VR could be something, okay? But all the reports of, you know, oh, you need a Facebook account and they're focusing on the metaverse rather than like an actual gaming ecosystem, that's hampering them putting up the price of the Quest 2, that's hampering them. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg just being involved in the <laughs> same sentences, hampering them. Okay, That's on the Facebook side. That's, that's like completely understandable. But people might be scratching their heads when they hear me say Valve as a company are kind of putting the spokes of their own bicycle and then blaming other people. You know, that little kind of meme. Hmm. It's because, yes, they've got the Steam Deck that they've released, which is a really good piece of kit, okay? And it's really successful. It's, like, sold out, etc. They demand is far outstripping supply. But I feel like... I feel as, as long as Steam is where they're making their money, they're never full hog into any of these projects, whether it's Steam Machines, Steam Controller, um steam os etc even though index. everything they're doing yeah the, the index everything they're doing is kind of moving them along towards that thing but like how many times are we gonna have fucking gabe newell come out saying uh valve are making games again guys and hey we're doing this we're doing that like yes they are moving forward but at the same time they are also their own worst enemy because if they properly gave it a concerted effort within two years they could have like a proper market share not just the demand outstripping supply kind of thing which is weird to say, but I I hope you get my sentiment. Yeah, I, I think I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Jonesy, you're thinking. No, no. I think Chris is Chris is right. Like, it's there's a. I suppose when sh- which this question, Sean is kind of saying these companies are bringing together hardware and software, and that doesn't have to be like soft. In Sony's case, for example, it doesn't have to be um, uh, first party like in house software. It's it's first party stuff that they you know other companies that they own whatever. So Steam. They don't necessarily have to make the games themselves, but they've got the hardware now in the Steam Deck. And they, if they brought some, you know, more companies in-house uh, to make content for them specifically, then I guess they would almost be there. They'd almost be the fourth player. And if they just went whole hog, did it more, did it better, then yeah, I guess they could be the fourth player. Yeah. 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 And, but- and I mean, the, the Steam as a, as a platform is kind of like where their base would be. And, you know, if you talk about like what their USP would be, Valve's USP would be that modularity of um, uh, of PC gaming, 
and being able to mod anything and do X, Y, Z. I mean, that's why we're getting, seeing all these like videos of Spider-Man, but it's not Spider-Man anymore. It's fucking Woody from Toy Story or fucking Garfield or some shit. Like it's quality stuff. Um, (laughs) That would be their aspect. And I think if we had to look at a USP of what Facebook could potentially bring to it, it would be either their focus on VR, although Steam also has the focus on VR, but they could have that kind of like social platform towards it. But I don't think that they would ever crack it because Facebook being Facebook. But the the good thing that both of these companies have is bucket tons of money in order to do this if they really did want to. And you know what? Surprisingly, I think the probably the next player is going to be that will have any relevance, maybe, I'm hoping, is actually Logitech. Did you see that leak that they had where it's like, hey, we've got this yeah, like got a- handheld device that will latch onto all the cloud services. Yeah, because they did a deal with yeah. um was it well, no, was it 2K or I can't remember. Logitech did a deal with someone, didn't they? Or they were they were bringing the handheld out with someone else. It wasn't like a just them doing it. I can't remember who that it was. Mm. There was a, there was something to do with like no, I don't, a collaboration. I, don't I think you're right. I think there was like a collab there. But yeah, like that that I think is super smart. It's it's kind of creating a platform but piggybacking off of other people's platforms. And I think that's yeah. like super smart. But that's what it would in um I, I think it kind of backfired in the end, right? But I think that's what NVIDIA flirted with at the early stages of GeForce now. It's just like we're gonna take every game you own anywhere and let you stream it to your device. And obviously there were permissions issues there, but damn was that a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. I think the other thing that Logitech have going for them that in and Valve have going for them too Sorry, I, is I, that I, they are one sec, uh, ten cent games. That's it. Oh, oh yeah, Tencent. I mean that you're just describing the whole games industry. Ten of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's Tencent money. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hey, do, do you like games? Then yeah, exactly. uh, welcome to Tencent um, or Netties. Thanks, China. Um, <laughs> is what they what they are doing is, and I, I I don't know why I still associate this with kind of like leading first party. Uh, companies or leading sort of console manufacturing companies is they're putting devices in people's hands that cost hundreds of dollars and then they're not being afraid to kind of pay all their services and their software behind hardware that you know takes hundreds of dollars of upfront investment from consumers and what's weird is that bigger companies are targeting more people by bypassing that step but having less success and ironically the two i mentioned there in passing before amazon and google have both been at the open market for years now. And you think about Google, like they went whole hog. Google started um, making and acquiring studios. They started making um, uh, 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 exclusive games. You know, they had a, the, the Amazon and Google have their own controllers. There are Amazon and Google game pads that you can hold right now, which <laughs> yeah. is a bizarre thought, but it exists. And, and they were targeting in theory, everyone, because it was all cloud-based and, you know, uh, and it didn't really work. Um, and like there are other weird things, like as an extension of what Josie talked about, what Apple could do, you've got the idea that Netflix are now trying to get in that territory. There's a lot of people right now who are saying gaming is big. There are billions of gamers if you want to you know, keep the barrier to entry as low as it can go. How do we get at them? Um, and the answer in a lot of those major companies, those billion-dollar corporations' heads, is you take away all those other barriers to entry, like the pieces of plastic and you know, circuit boards and whatnot that costs five, six hundred dollars, but it's those pieces of plastic and circuit boards and other bits and pieces, conductors, um, that get millions of people spending hundreds of dollars and make them the big players. Um yeah, more big yeah. in, in inverted commas. So it's a really tricky one. And when you iron out the amount of people that are clearly sniffing around it, 
Like there were multiple times in this conversation where I thought I knew who you were talking about and we were talking about four different companies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, I, it's, it's fascinating. Sega could be a fascinating one. If they came back into the console market <laughs> and really focused on, obviously they've got a, a, a decent IP stable, but if they focused on the quirkiness, especially of like, you know, you talk about the um, the Saturn and the Dreamcast era, like quirky games, like fucking, I, I think that's where they kind of corner a market, but I don't think that they'd have a great know, market yeah. share. No, the also, market share would be trash. I don't know what, like, I don't know if it fits in with Business 101, where like, let's return to the business that almost put us out of business <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah. Um, I think it would, it would be quite fun, though, you're talking about Sega. Made me think that it'd be quite fun if some if a company came out with like a retro styled console that had like big cartridges like SNES sort of start size cartridges, but they just had like a, a you would could just have like a small little SSD like well, an SD card in the middle. Well, that was that was the Atari thing that they yeah recently did right. The, and there's, like, and there's, actually, there's it's no, just a really powerful computer. Ah, uh, okay. There's another there's another company trying to do it, and they're in all kinds of trouble. What's t- the company that Tommy Tallarico's bit was fronting until he got ousted? Like. This year, Tom, Tommy Tallarico is not a real name, mate. In te- <laughs> it is, and he's. He, do you know? Do you know why I know he's the real? He's a real dude because yeah. he's the originator of the um, of the uh, what's that Roblox oof sound, and he's oh, the reason shit, it's yeah. not in the game anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, he's he basically like an yeah, he's like an OG like oh, no, an old school uh, like video game soundtrack guy who wrote, wrote like classic soundtracks through like the nineties, um, yeah. and worked on a bunch of like uh, massive games through the eighties and nineties. Uh, it was the Intelli- Intellivision Amico, which um, as of last, as of July, has been delayed three times and is in all kinds of um, financial trouble. And there are doubts about whether or not it's even real and whether or not it's going to come out. But that's them. They're trying to bank on that Intellivision name. And yeah. it's not quite cartridge-based like Jonesy said, but it was like basically the controllers are like mini smartphones. So people have like a touchscreen right. element that they're familiar with. And it's all about couch co-op. So every single Intellivision Amico comes with like at least two controllers, and it's something weird thing where like every single game that goes on the platform has to have couch co-op, and they really want it to be like this yeah. old school console where people gather around the uh, you know the TV like they used to. But it also seems like it might just be snake oil. <laughs> yeah, so. sounds like it. Um, from from the guy that made the oof sound, <laughs> he's he's yeah. massively qualified to make this because he made the oof sound. So that's all good. I mean, yeah, but that you, you, you just kind of gave me an interesting idea. Like, if Roblox had to release their own console that was like, yeah, it's got Roblox and fucking all the fucking Roblox games, that would be absolutely like, huge. Yeah, it would. you would literally get every child immediately would be like, uh, I know what I want for Christmas. Yeah, the Roblox console, please. Because I think Roblox, Roblox, the Roblox. No, the Roblox. Don't you call it? Yeah, the, Ro- the Ro- Roblox box. Roblox box. Roblox box. The Roblox box. <laughs> just have yeah. it as a multicolored box, like a big, almost big Rubik's cube that just sits. Just with, just just mm. have it as one of the dudes with the big fucking shoulders. <laughs> Looks so fucking weird. Anyway, yeah, I uh, I got an advert for there. What's that? It's like that coffee company that begins with L. It's like Levet Levesi or something. Oh, Lavaza. Lavaza. La- I keep getting yeah. ads on Twitch. For like that co- coffee company have made their own game in Roblox to like promote their coffee, 
and now they're running ads on Twitch that is for not Roblox, but their game within Roblox. But that's so, why they're selling coffee to children. Yeah, I, I don't. I honestly, I don't know. Kids don't. Well, oh, actually, because if kids drink coffee, they can play more games. Ah, nailed it. Look, oh. I found it. Lavazza Arena on 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 Roblox. So <laughs> it's Lavazza, the Italian coffee company, founded in 1895. <laughs> um. And they are they have created a thing called Lavazza Arena, which is a game in Roblox that you can download and start playing right now. It is so fun um, when you it, talk to like a grandparent about Roblox and they're like, Oh my, oh my your kid wanted Roblox for their, for Christmas and you're like, it's not a thing. You can't buy Roblox. There's so much going on here that it's hard to unpack. Like this is one of those things where like a marketing team have got so confused they've mashed everything together. Listen to this. So again, yeah. this is Lavazza, the coffee company. Yeah. Play and learn about preserving Amazonia, a new Roblox game by Lavazza. It presents its first deforested football field in the metaverse. So it's a Roblox game made by a coffee company that is promoting education about deforestation by presenting by setting the arena in the metaverse's first deforested football field. The game is inspired by a Lavazza Foundation project in Peru that involves reforestation activities. Uh, Roblox is an online platform that combines virtual games and social interactions. That's insane. <laughs> Fill out the form to receive a special code you, you of know, 250 you know beans to redeem in the game. <laughs> but do, you, do, you know what the, do you know what that is? That's someone high up in Lavazza where they're like, Oh no, we need a, a web three and a um and a metaverse strategy. And no one knows what to do because they're all fucking eighty years old. So then the the one dude who's in charge of it, like the fucking um director of, of AR and VR initiatives at Lavazza, went and asked his grandson, like, what am I doing? And the grandson's like, Roblox. <laughs> You're like, doing okay. I like football. And then he's like, What are kids like? Green stuff deforestation we don't want to get rid of the trees what else do we like metaverse because that's but got also no money like, behind it it's so bizarre you can't have like the first deforested field in the metaverse because that implies that you just built a forest and then deleted trees in a square like that's not deforestation like, no but just, i want just don't build the trees to begin with do they i wonder <laughs> if they mean rather than deforesting an actual acre of uh, trees in the real world, they're deforesting an acre of trees in the metaverse. So yeah, but hang on, don't the, cut the, pro- the trees. The, the down problem, the, the problem kicking off, the problem kicking off in the Amazon isn't that we keep knocking down all the trees to make football pitches. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's was it the palm oil or something, isn't it? So they're creating oh. a problem that doesn't exist within a world within a virtual world where the problem doesn't exist either. I, I can't. I can't wait for the uh, virtual activists in uh, <laughs> Roblox just uh, boycotting Lavazza because they. Deforested a virtual forest. Um, yeah. It reminds me of something I told Chris about earlier, which was I regularly on Twitter get uh, like random bots message me, and it will be like some bird in like a skimpy outfit, like you know everything spilling out, and the text above it will just say, "Do you like my Pokemon anime?" And it's like it's what this doesn't make any sense. These don't go together, and then you realize it's a bot putting together things that trend. So like attractive women in skimpy clothing, the words Pokemon, yeah. the words anime, and it smashes mm. everything together yeah. at an attempt for engagement. And do you know what? Roblox, Smart. deforestation, football, coffee. Yeah. Smash. And it works. People, You get thirsty people under the messages going, I love deforestation. I love football. I want to play in the metaverse. <laughs> see, see I'd, I'd find the connection a lot more tangible if people ever said any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
Um, yeah. yeah, that's the latest from the world of coffee. Um, lads, we've got one. Uh, we've got one fairly chunky uh, news story to get to around the corner. So I reckon let's knock out. It's slightly more, um, not necessarily silly one, but slightly more um, Ubisoft. One. <laughs> um, Say before, no more before we get in. Before we get into the heavy hitters, because um, as has been the trend over the past couple of weeks, actually, in fact, that the last couple of years, maybe even decades, Ubisoft continue to not be able to keep anything secret. And, as is also weirdly often the case, it still continues to largely be their fault. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the, la- the last time was um, the new Assassin's Creed, right? So what have they done this time, Well, Josie, uh, the, there are two things this time. First is the latest from the world of The Division. So you guys might remember The Division Heartland that was yeah. uh, announced all the way back in... I think it was announced sometime last year, actually. But basically, it was announced, and then we didn't see it for ages. Um, a, a a Ubisoft store page for it went up very briefly and then came back down. Um, so we now know a lot more about what the Division Heartland is, um, and and we can probably guess that, assuming the Ubisoft live stream scheduled for this weekend goes ahead, it will be there. Do you want to know what the Division Heartland is? It was that free-to-play thing, right? It was meant to yes, be. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. a free-to-play survival action multiplayer shooter set in small-town middle America. The things we've now had confirmed are that the game's primary mode is a 45-player PvEVP mode. Um, and there's so, also going to... So what, Dark Zone, basically? Yeah, Dark Zone, which in itself kind of you know rings has a bit of a Tarkov ring to it, right? With, like, risk-reward, get in, get out, yeah. exfiltrate. Yes, there are AI bad guys. There are also real bad guys. Because you, you know what the thing works really well with Ubisoft is when they tr- chase trends. Th- that like is Battle true. Royales Although, or, you know, extraction games. To be fair, considering Battlefield completely fucked it up, Call of Duty haven't got around to it yet. If Ubisoft got a Tarkov-like game out there now-ish, it would be pretty good for their track record. Not great, but better f- for them, not bad. <laughs> Problem is, um, they just wouldn't tell anyone that, that they'd released it. So even if it was good, no one would play it. Do you know that happened the other day? Do you know what Ubisoft released the other day? What? Um, like a, uh, I think it's a battle royale game on mobile that was at one point a Far Cry game. What? 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 Yeah, I've got, I've got What's a, I've got a, uh, it's called like it, it's got some super generic name. Um, that that I'm, I'm. Tom Clancy's okay. extra fine mobile. <laughs> no, so I found Far it. Cry um, la- so la- this week Ubisoft re- released a new mobile game called Wild Arena Survivors um, that is out now on iOS and Google Play stores, and it's a forty-player battle royale title. The thing that is the the most interesting thing about Wild Arena Survivors, and you might have guessed this if you look at the font of the title, is that it was at one point a Far Cry spin-off that got abandoned and then uh, turned into this. That's yes, weird, man. You... That that name sounds like some kind of fucking, uh, you you know, like King or Zinger would come up with a game, and then like five developers removed try and cash in on the trend. That's right? Yeah. But like, but like they developers from Poland that are like two yeah. people. It well, sounds like something like that. Like, I mean, when you read what the story of this game, um, it it actually doesn't stray that far from what you just said, Chris. This is coming from uh, VGC.com. Uh, the site sources claim that the game was originally given a soft launch without any Far Cry branding in an attempt to see if it could prove successful on its own merit. When this soft launch didn't gather any momentum, (laughs) 
the decision was reportedly made to release the game globally without any major fanfare in an attempt to recoup some development costs, which just feels like Ubisoft to a T of late. But it's just like, what the fuck? A big red button that says launch, but you don't tell anybody that you're launching Get this. The site notes that none of Ubisoft's main social media accounts have made mention of the game, and while it, and while it does have its own social media accounts, they're modest. The Twitter account has 306 followers at the time of writing. Why do they keep doing this? They keep making games, releasing them, and not telling anyone they've come out, and then saying, oh, look, we didn't make any money because no one played or bought our game. Yeah, you didn't tell anybody. What? It's, they've done and, this so and yet, many what, times and, recently. Yeah, but and yet, who was it NetEase or, or Tencent that bought a 49% stake in Ubisoft? I th- it's one of yeah, you said they, it. I can't remember which one of you said it. I think I think you're absolutely right. Bang on genius. That it is all a con. That there is something <laughs> to they're somehow swindling money or somewhere. Like with those people who make the films that there's no intention of anyone watching them, but they get such high tax breaks, they end up making money just from making the film. I think Ubisoft yeah. are doing some weird, dodgy shit like that. Hmm. Maybe the Gimo brothers Three, up to the old You said three hundred and four people follow the Twitter. Three hundred and six people um, at the time of writing. Yeah, well, three hundred and seven. <laughs> no, not a the, lot of v- VGC have said it's not clear if uh, Wild Arena Survivors will get an official launch announcement at the Ubisoft Forward presentation on September tenth, which is Saturday. Uh, but yeah, honestly, um, that's so fucking weird, man. And you know what? To bring it back to the news. I really hope that doesn't happen to the Division Heartland because the idea of a free-to-play Division experience that has the, you know, the same core fundamentals and same essence of the Division game um, without any you know really nasty free-to-play trappings, you know, no pay-to-win bullshit, I'd be down for like a fair <clears throat> free-to-play Division game that's like well-supported and has a good player base. So I hope they don't fuck that up. Do you, yeah. Do you yeah. think they could be running the... Uh... I can't remember the name of the the horror um, video franchise. Um, is it Blumhouse? I think it is. Where the the idea is you oh, produce right, such yeah. low cost. Uh, they so maybe the idea is they produce the games for like as low as money as possible. They don't put any money into marketing. They release them, and if they if they pop off and they make their money, then happy days. But if they don't, who cares? We didn't spend any money on it. Yeah, Do you reckon there's a possibility. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> I I would believe that if it weren't for the the scale or the the, uh, the ever increasing scale of the other leak that happened to Ubisoft this week, um, which is uh, <laughs> takes us back uh, to Assassin's Creed Infinity. Now we all know that uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage is the kind of the game that was formerly DLC that is now a fully fledged title that is probably going to come out in Q1 or Q2 of early next year. The word on the street is that at this Ubisoft Forward Showcase, we're all going to get also get our first look at Assassin's Creed Infinity, which is kind of this big games-as-a-service platform-style Assassin's Creed game that titles and stories and locations are going to get added to. Um, insiders, in the likes of including the likes of Jason Schreier and Tom Henderson and Jeff Grubb, are now very confident that we're going to see the first two of these um, at the showcase. One of them I think we'd already discussed before, which is codenamed Red, and said to set uh, set to take place in feudal Japan. Uh, that's being developed uh, by Ubisoft Quebec, who uh, are the Assassin's Creed Odyssey team. Um, the other one, which we have now had more details on, is the uh, game that Ubisoft Montreal, who made Origins and Valhalla, are working on, which is formerly codenamed Neo and now codenamed Hex, apparently, which revolves around the witch trials during the latter stages of the Holy Roman Empire, which. I don't know much about, but some people said sounds That's cool. And apparently, 
the the way it's been described is it's meant to be the darkest Assassin's Creed game that oh. has been made thus far. Oh, it's always the darkest this and it's the darkest that, isn't it? Like fuck off. Um, when you said the the witch trials, I thought like Salem, and I thought actually that that could be pretty wicked. That would also be cool. Yeah. Um, anything to do with witches? Uh, <laughs> where, where? I mean, I feel like we've had a, a, a conversation like this at least once a week for the last six months, but. <laughs> If you if you if I were to get the smoke on the street for from either of you right now, I, ironically knowing everything that we know ahead of this showcase, where you where are you at with Mirage and with the future of Assassin's Creed looking like it's going to be with Infinity? Are you or, or are you in uh, or out? Basically, that, that's a, that's a Jonesy question because the, the only Assassin's Creed in, right? that I enjoyed hands up is Odyssey. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm hopeful for um, uh, Mirage. Like we were saying, it, it's nice that they're saying that they're going to go back to their roots a bit with like a stealth-based Assassin's Creed title. Like I'm 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 in for that. I, I want to see how that pans out. Even though it was supposed to be DLC, and it's like said, it's Basim for a Valhalla. That's to me sounds like it could be a fun time, and it could bring a bunch of people on board who've been a bit put off by the old RPG um, turn Assassin's Creed's taken. Like that, it's cool. I I've enjoyed it, but I am definitely one of those people who sometimes is like. I don't need 30 hours of Assassin's Creed. Like, I'd rather sl- yeah. slim back a bit. And some of the RPG stuff I could leave. Um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully that'll, that'll be a cool time. Um, I'm I, I'm so weirded out and torn by what they're doing with, like, Infinity and how everything's going to fit together. Um, yeah. Like, I genuinely am, like... The other thing, you, when you said about Red, codename Red, I, mean, I know we heard, you know, it was in Japan before, but every time I hear that, I just can't help but think they must be so pissed off that Ghost of Tsushima came out and was such a successful title because they're just going to be pegged yeah. against that and I don't think they're going to meet I don't think they're going to they're going to get to the same place let alone surpass what Ghost of Tsushima did based on where Assassin's Creed has been in the past um, and recently it's, I'm sure it'll be cool I'm sure it'll look good I'm sure the RPG elements will be you know all the way rammed through it but I just think it, it's going to just look worse based against Ghost of Tsushima yeah no I completely agree uh, but I, also, the last one, uh, Hex, yeah, sounds the, the the setting sounds great, but I don't know much about the Holy Roman Empire and the witch trials. Me neither. And I, I do think you kind of tapped in something interesting there, which part of me worries they're going to completely shoot themselves in the foot with Mir- with everything they're doing at the moment. But they're going to announce Mirage, a once DLC, shorter, tighter, smaller, more old school Assassin's Creed. People are going to go crazy for it and say, this is the Assassin's Creed we always wanted. And then Ubisoft are going to go, oops, we've got some bad news. Everything else we're making is a 60-hour-long RPG. <laughs> yeah, I we're never really thought of that. You're so right. You're gonna, they're going to do it, and almost like, it's like negative marketing. So not only are they not doing marketing for some of their games, they're negatively marketing Honestly, their future games. It, it is a risk to, like, to announce simultaneously the game that fans have been asking for and two more titles that they absolutely haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah. even, well, even, uh, even if sales numbers suggest you, that you, Red and yeah, Hex yeah. will be fine. This is what I'm saying. You you say they haven't been asking for it, but you, yeah, you know, yeah, there there are as many. I have to remind myself that there are as many old school. But I wonder. Assassin's I wonder. If, fans as I wonder school. if there's a sliding scale of what they're doing with uh, Infinity, right? Where you could have experiences that are like Mirage and like that's got to be AC, right. AC one and two, and you know, to degree three, and and then on the other end of the scale, it's like, oh yeah, and this is the slightly bigger one that's more odyssey origins valhalla style yeah it, it would I've be interesting if they go the that case. route but then how do you communicate that in 
a centralized hub that right. someone logs into. And and how long how what does Infinity cost on its own and how long is it around for? Those are the I rec- questions I reckon like- I reckon Infinity is going to be this big brain here. Infinity mm-hmm. is going to be free. The yeah. f- like one of those two is going to be free. <clears throat> Second one's going to be paid for or there's going to be some kind of a subscription service. Interesting. I mean, Ubisoft I could, I could have, see that happening. I could see that happening. Yeah, Ubisoft are not averse to subscriptions as well. They've experimented that plenty in the past. So we'll we'll find out if we get some more answers on Saturday night. But until then, it remains mm. a mystery. Um, something that else is a bit of a mystery, and the last thing I think we should discuss before we uh, get to bed this evening, and <laughs> our listeners and watchers can get on with the rest of their days or evenings. separately, not together. Just uh... <laughs> well, I mean, let's leave something to, up to the imagination. You know, people mm, don't know maybe. what happens. Like when I walk through that door, for example. Yeah, you come out this door over here. Yeah, exactly. We, we actually live. T- we all live together. This is the thing that people don't know. You know, like uh, Antti Pantano like sits in a chair, and people didn't realize that when he when he did the like a needle drop reviews, and when he, yes, when he revealed so, it, he's like, "Oh my!" He's like, "Oh my god, are you mad?" And uh, yeah, actually, we all live in the same house. I'm in the it's bedroom. A, it's a streamer right now. house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a streamer and house. And Chris and Chris is stood up right now. He has been stood up the whole time. <laughs> yeah. uh, um. Yeah. Uh, I, well, one thing that's for sure is if we did live together, I'm sure we'd find plenty of ways to continue fighting with each other in oh. spite of how much we loved each other. And that, I'd like to think, is exactly what's happening in a weirdly public fashion now, albeit in a slightly more back-and-forth way rather than a tete-a-tete, uh, when it comes to the back-and-forth between Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan of Microsoft and Xbox and Sony and PlayStation, respectively. And the thing they're arguing over, guys, in true 2010 open mic lobby fashion, is Call of Duty. Um, although no one's mum is getting fucked, as of yet, <laughs> from what I gather. Man, um, this, yeah. this is fascinating, isn't it? I, I have a pretty strong opinion on it, but yeah, okay. I'd, I'd be keen to know your guys' ones. Yeah, so let's do a little bit of a background, uh, and then and then Chris, maybe we'll jump straight in with what you have to say. But for anyone uh, who hasn't got quite up to speed with what's going on yet, some of this ties into what we've been talking about in recent weeks and months, about how Microsoft are obviously in the middle of a deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. It's currently being scrutinized by regulators who are concerned about a potential antitrust issues um, and the increasing consolidation that's going on in the gaming industry. So the deal is somewhat under a microscope at the moment. And as a result of that microscope, Microsoft have had to push back a little bit on some of the pressure they've come under for those antitrust and anti-competitive issues, which has led to Phil Spencer himself making some statements about the plans that they have for certain franchises. Like, for example, certain franchises, uh, whether or not they're going to end up on Game Pass in the future, and also the extent to which uh, certain franchises are going to continue to pop up on other platforms. Specifically, obviously, the big elephant in the room, will Call of Duty continue to come to PlayStation platforms? So in a statement to The Verge, Xbox boss Phil Spencer said that Microsoft had committed to making the series available on PlayStation for several more years, that's the quote, after Sony's current marketing deal with Activision expires. Um, for anyone wondering, the current deal with Call between, for Call of Duty between Sony and Activision Blizzard is believed to cover this year's Modern Warfare 2, Warzone 2, whenever that comes out, and the new game from Treyarch that at present is believed to be coming out in 2024, not 2023. So what Phil Spencer is saying, those three games, and then three more years after that, and then, hey, it'll probably start being an exclusive. Um, he thinks that's a pretty generous maybe. offer. Maybe. 
maybe, maybe. it'll be exclusive. Maybe. Like, I don't think anything's cast in stone. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they're saying like, hey, this is what we can promise you now, but yeah, yeah things, exactly. things might change. Also worth noting that Phil Spencer promised feature and content parity, so he's also not planning any bullshit where like, this map is only on Xbox. Um, he's being, he thinks, pretty generous and pretty fair. Someone who disagrees with him is Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan, who uh, called Microsoft's proposal for keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation consoles for those three years, quote, inadequate on many levels. Um, and Jim Ryan went on to actually take a couple of shots at Phil Spencer for actually making this whole thing public. This is a quote. I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion. But I feel the need to set the public record straight because Phil Spencer brought it into this public forum. Um, after almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the, uh, of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines that principle. Um, so, yes, what... Uh, Started as Phil Spencer going to the press and thinking he was being pretty reasonable over the future of a franchise that he could theoretically own, um, and Xbox could theoretically own, has led to the clause coming out between the two biggest players outside of Nintendo um, in the traditional home console market. Chris, I mean, you, you sounded like you were in a hot Mate, take ready to, to dive um, straight I, in with. Yeah, to, to be honest, I don't think it's that much of a hot take. I think Phil Spencer is coming up as coming across as a bit of a king as usual, yep. as he does. And Jim Ryan is coming across as like a, a petulant child and he's being quite petty about everything, in in my opinion. Um, it's just bizarre, man. Honestly, like, fucking hell. I, first of all, J- Jim Ryan, I, I feel, is like, he's that guy on every football team that just cannot help himself but score own goals. <laughs> yes, increasingly more so, yeah, with each passing month, it feels yeah. like. Like I'm, I'm sure like the the higher ups in like um, Sony Japan. Just every time Jim Ryan opens his mouth before he starts uttering the words, they just kind of like shake their heads <laughs> and be like, "Fuck, what, 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 what now?" I don't know, man. Like it, 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 it feels like Jim Ryan and and Sony's position is like again, like we mentioned before, just a little bit, just just flat out wrong, to be honest. Like. I don't know know how to like articulate it more than that. It's just like you're wrong, bro. I think the wording is like because Jonesy, I I come. I I don't know if this is how you feel about it, but like us three have had plenty of conversations, obviously over the last however many months it's been about whether or not this deal is inherently anti-competitive and creates a monopoly and so on and so forth, and whether or not it should go through. I don't think there's anything wrong with Jim Ryan being scared about the prospect of this being the last PlayStation generation that doesn't have the world's biggest console franchise on it. And as such, fighting tooth and nail to keep it. But to make like weirdly catty comments about like, oh, I don't know why Phil Spencer's bringing business uh, conversations into public, but now he's doing it. And and then making you know weird points <coughs> about like a, a proposal can't be inadequate when it's just them being generous on something that they don't even need to do. Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ge- like, I think you can put your terms like generous away. I don't think it's got anything to do with it. It is generous. If it, no, if Phil's, if, 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 if it'll be very lucrative. If, all, if the various anti competition people around the world are like, yep, this is all good. Microsoft and Xbox can acquire Activision Blizzard 
Phil Spencer would be well within his rights to say, "Yep, that's the end of Call of Duty on PlayStation. <laughs> See you later." <laughs> no, to, to honor to, to honor the current deal and to give them three extra years, I don't think that's I don't think that's not generous. I don't think it's got anything to do with generosity. I think uh, what, realistically, I think what this is about is so I, I so okay. I'll give Jim Ryan a little olive branch in, from what he said. Is that when he said that he thought it was a private conversation about business dealings and he doesn't know why Phil Spencer's brought it into the public domain? I'm with him there. Like that's fair enough. You can think that that was. Um, not public. When you say that, um, or oh, sorry, when they say that they're, they're the deal with Activision Blizzard, assuming it goes through, right? They've got, uh, like we said, they've got uh, Modern Warfare Two, then they've got um, Call of Duty Twenty Four, and they've got Warzone Two coming out, and then three more years. Realistic. And if we're then saying because of some of the bad performances that uh, Call of Duty games have had as of late, like mainly looking at Vanguard, maybe not performing as well as they'd hoped. Um, if you start to consider that maybe Call of Duty isn't released year on year and is maybe going to be released. I don't know, like slightly less regularly, or maybe we'll just go back to like every year. Um, you're looking at the end of this generation. You're looking at the end of PlayStation 5. You're looking at the end of the Xbox Series X, Series S. So realistically, I think what Phil Spencer Agreed. is saying is Call of Duty is going to be alive and well on the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and S. But when you come to make your decision about whether or not you buy a PlayStation 6 or whether or not you buy Xbox Blah, we're going to help you make that decision because, hey, Call of Duty is an exclusive to the Xbox and it's going to be exclusive on Game Pass and he's hoping to swing a whole load of people over then. So I don't think he needs to make that decision. So that's why I'm saying I don't think it's generous. He's going to get a lot of money out of PlayStation to keep that keep those games coming onto Sony until the end of the console life. Um, and then when it actually matters, when they want to really shift some uh, some audience away from PlayStation towards Xbox, I think that's when they're going to make their big play. But but at the same time, like that that's fucking fair. That's yeah. You buy these companies to put yourself in a better position. Mate, it's, it's, like, it's clever. Of, yeah, it's fair yeah. Play yeah. To Phil Spencer. Yeah. It's a clever play. I I think I've said a few times. Like I I don't think this is any of this is anti competition or breach is antitrust because I don't. And I know people have disagreed with me, like in our Discord and on our comments. And I they I appreciate their opinions. I just slightly in a different place where I don't believe Call of Duty um, as a product constitutes like a genre or a whole. Uh, you know, area of gaming that has to be across platform. I think if you buy it and you want to keep it onto your your platform, I think that's fine. What I would have wanted Jim Ryan to do in this instance is to come out and say, it's unfortunate Phil Spencer said this in public. I don't think he should have done, but hey, PlayStation are the leading brand for AAA titles. We've got Naughty Dog. We've got Sony Santa Monica. We are bringing you the greatest single player games and Call of Duty's, you know, it's it's um, waned a little bit. We still want to have it on our, on the Sony uh, PlayStation. Yeah. Spin, it, spin it positively for your brand. One hundred percent. Maybe not be petty about. Throw, it. Maybe throw a cheeky reminder about the fact that hey, like the console that still sells the most, that is you know direct linked to the most sales of Call of Duty, it's still PlayStation. Yeah, like losing PlayStation, you might be losing up to ten million copies of Call of Duty sold every year. Of but, course, but this Phil Spencer is, this will have why... the swing in his mind, Josie, that you mentioned, the generational yeah. swing, but still. And yeah, but even the, that many people, even the generational swing, like it, it might not be, it might be limited time to exclusive if that's the case. Because yeah, you're losing out on a shit ton of money keeping it off of any platform. And these are smart yeah. people, you know. Like their their bottom line is let's make money. That's fucking business. Totally. Um, totally. That's mate. I just want to say that's a that's a <clears> damn good point. Because of course, what they could do is they could release the new Xbox, see what happens with the swing, if it has an effect, yeah. and then they can announce, oh, actually, we're bringing it back, you know, six months after, seven months after, whatever they want. 
and they've already taken yeah. a whole load of audience. That's a, that's a very good point. They don't have yeah. to make it. Well, 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 continuing to regularly promote and advertise the fact that if you owned an Xbox or a PC, you'd be playing it free with Game Pass anyway. Yes. Yeah, you still more money in their pocket. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to get your guys' take on something because it's something that I was discussing with Jonesy earlier today over lunch. Um, I'm, not, I'm, from, not, I'm still not getting used to hearing that. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's kind Sorry. of weird. So from Sony's perspective, okay, so it's going to be, let me try and explain it before you kind of get into it, okay? And and it is a bit of a stretch, I know, but let's just let's hypothesize here, okay? Or, or, or do mind <laughs> exercises, whatever. Okay. Uh, Insomniac Games make Spider-Man on the PS4, but they are not owned at that point by Sony, okay? So... But what, what Insomniac Games decide to do, because they work out a contract, whatever, they release a PS4 exclusive game. Okay, never mind that it eventually comes to PC. Mm-hmm. Then Sony acquires in Insomniac Games, okay? Outright. You yep. are now in a first you are now a first party uh, developer for Sony. Mm-hmm. Does Phil Spencer look at that and say, well, that's fucking unfair? I want oh, I want Spider-Man 2 on Xbox. <laughs> you can't do that. That's ridiculous. I, I it to me it feels like an, in a similar kind of way. You know? Like Yeah. It, it, no, I even see, though that's not the same because he uh, he wants Insomniac to be on PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. So it's different. It, it, it's different to Jim Ryan. It, it, it's mental, I I man, think like, I think Ryan yeah, point, the, key, the key point of Ryan's argument relative to say maybe the Spider-Man or the Insomniac hypothetical is the thing that the, the first half a sentence that he opened his argument with, after almost twenty years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, I think there is maybe a, a fear within Jim Ryan that this, and this is something I can relate to. I don't know about Jonesy, maybe as well to a certain extent, but like having a Call of Duty game on whatever console you own that cycle, that generation, just feels like second nature. It's that thing that comes out every year, and it's there if you want it. It's there if you don't. The campaign will be solid. The multiplayer will be fun for a little while. Like you might get it for if you don't pick it up in October or November, you'll probably get it for Christmas. It's just kind of like Call of Duty for me is part of the furniture, and I I, I can identify as someone who if I go PS6 next generation and all of a sudden I just don't have Call of Duty anymore, that will be kind of like that will take some adjustment, and I'll have to think about what I do to circumvent that problem. Now I'm. Maybe a slightly it, fringe it, it, it case compared it to some other Yeah, it won't matter, Jamie, because yeah. your monitor will be Xbox Cloud baked like, in, and I, that's the way you'll be playing it. <laughs> I have played both Warzone and Vanguard inside the last two weeks, and when I played both of them, I played it with groups of people who, when this deal goes through, and if, if uh, Phil Spencer you know, pulls Call of Duty off PlayStation at that, that point, None of the people I played either Vanguard or Warzone with in this past week or two will play Call of Duty ever again as a result. Like I, 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 I don't think way, you have anything I, to worry about, fellas, I, because the, the plan is going to be on fire in, in six years' time anyway. But, so. Six years' time, yeah, but there's also like, there, this is such a big deal that I still feel like I come across people who don't get it. And like someone in that same group of people, I had to explain to them, this was slightly longer ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, I had to yeah. explain to them that Starfield wasn't coming to PlayStation. And they didn't get it, and they were like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "The team that make Fallout and 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 the Elder Scrolls, their new game, that sci-fi thing, is not going to be on PlayStation 
and it was like it turned their world upside down. That will keep <laughs> happening. That will I think that will, stuff like that will keep happening over because yeah. but that's, it, that's just the nature but that's of that's always happening. That's right? why that's why this is not just the biggest uh gaming acquisition of all time, but this is the biggest tech acquisition of all time. Bigger than like, you know, fucking WhatsApp and shit and you know, all those other and Slack being bought for like twenty billion dollars, you know. You know, get in the sea. This is this is <laughs> the biggest tech acquisition of all time. There is a there is there. one weird point with this, um, which I wouldn't be surprised on. Which is the reason it's the biggest acquisition of all time is because of where COD is at and where Activision Blizzard are at. But I wouldn't be that surprised if in seven years' time the prospect was kind of different. And do you know what? Warzone, Call of Duty, they were they were not the Goliath they are today. And actually, PlayStation of the future are looking back and going oh, i can't i'm not not sure why we were so worried about it and but on the other hand of that yeah. of course as i think chris just mentioned i think one of the fundamental differences in seven years time as well will be um your options to play video games will be more fluid maybe you won't be tied onto playing it on like a console so if you really wanted to play call of duty it might be a much more simple process of saying hey i've got the xbox app on my tv and i can i can you know pay for it for a month and play it like because whilst yeah. I don't think these things, any of these things breach anti-competition, I don't think they should be stopped by respective governments from doing it. I would love all of my fellow gamers to be able to play the games they like wherever they can play them. Like I, I have no desire for any of these things to happen, even at the same time, while I don't have any, like from a business perspective, I don't think they should be stopped from doing it. I just think, I think it's kind of part yeah. of the course, but I, I don't want like the guys you are playing uh, Warzone. Move. I don't want them to not be able to play Warzone. That sucks. They, to be and to be fair, they will have opportunities, and I will tell them like this is the easiest way you can play Call of Duty this year. I think a lot of them will just be stubborn. Right. Um, <laughs> there are certain people out there who are like, oh, would you mean I can just like uh, sign up to this service for seven pounds a month and then stream it, and maybe in seven years' time, that's like a totally viable idea and like a fine way to play even a competitive PvP first-person shooter. But there are also some people in that group who are just like. If it's not a game that I just sit on my couch and play on my PlayStation, I'm not interested. That's how they feel. That's but, the vibe but I get from at the moment. Don't you think? Don't you think? By removing that known quantity, it breeds opportunity, right? Like you, you look at, like who would have thought that EA would have given up the FIFA license? It's true. It's true. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And, and yet, like from from what fucking what's his face Andrew was saying, like. Hey, there's opportunities here, and there's that we can actually make it better by taking the shackles off. I'm always reminded of each time, kind of to keep on going with that football slant. Each time the World Cup comes around, and Adidas is the sponsor of the World Cup, and Nike isn't, and Nike fucking crushes it because why? Because they don't have the shackles of FIFA. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So actually, it might you know? be it might and, not and, be a bad thing necessarily for PlayStation. There might be something else happening. Move on yeah, exactly. Them. And we've already got like all these reports that PlayStation are investing heavily in studios to create games as a service, etc. So, yeah, uh, fuck it, man. Like, if you don't have Warzone, make the fucking Warzone. Yeah, and and you might yeah, get just something better. Get, just yeah, yeah. Just don't buy Ubisoft. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, dearie me. And on that note, um, <laughs> I think we just about uh, made it through that one, right? Ooh, it was a good, good chat. More than made fellas. it through, yeah, yeah. Um, that I guess is the end. I don't know. Like it feels kind of weird. Like it feels like something needs to happen. Like a 
Like a bell needs to ring or someone needs to say something. Jonesy, say something definitive and closing in nature. Mm. Mm. Please. That's it, folks. You had it here first. That's it, folks. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. This has been another action-packed, star-studded episode of the Super Show podcast. We'll be back once again, same place, same time next week if you want to hear uh, more gaming action. And by that point, I will remind you that the Ubisoft Forward Showcase will have happened. The Disney Gaming Showcase will have happened. So there's going to be oh, plenty shit, yeah. of gaming news and reveals for us to break down. So make sure you tune Maybe in on YouTube or on podcasting. Play. Maybe a sunny state of play, say it quietly. Maybe a state of play, but there's definitely not going to be a state of play. Yeah, not not um, with 10 days of mourning, fellas. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there won't be a state of play. Um, I forgot about that already. There won't be a state of play. But state of play or no state of play, there will be games to talk about it. We will be talking about them on YouTube, on podcasting platforms of your choice, and we will be continue to be able to do both of those things because of your support on patreon.com forward slash super show. And with that, I bid you farewell. Chris, Jonesy, thank you so much for joining me on this adventure. It's been a wild one, and I'll see you next week. See ya. See ya.